in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Hey, you gotta see this. In here. Ah, look at this. Hello in there. Does anybody work here? Come in, Jiro. It looks delicious. Mm -mm. Anybody? Don't worry, honey. We can pay the bill when they get back. Good plan. Hey, that looks great. I wonder what this is called. Oh, it's delicious. Chihiro, you have to taste this. I don't want any. We're gonna get in trouble. Let's just get out of here. Don't worry. You've got Daddy here. He's got credit cards and cash. Mm. Chihiro, you have to try this. It's so tender. Mustard? Thank you. Legend has it that Chihiro's parents are still picking out at that spirit world smorgasbord to this very day. Also, uh, my apologies to Devin for the eating sounds, um, but I assure you no actual food was consumed during the production of this scene. <laughs> Greetings, lookers! Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show, where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And our theme for Series 5 is Osktoberfest, our daily double mashup of Oscar winners and Halloween. And today we'll be discussing Spirited Away 2001, which is an adventure, fantasy, mystery, animated feature film Currently streaming on Hubbo Max. Oh, my producer's telling me that's HBO Max. Never heard of it. You know, I remember seeing all that garbage coming out of the river spirit in this film and thinking, man, this is really fantastic. I bet in 20 years we can accomplish what they did in this movie in three minutes. Yeah, that didn't pan out. Oh, well, let's just podcast into the global warming apocalypse. And I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts, who are likely talking behind my back, so let's join their conversation, already in progress. Hey, gang! Howdy, hey, hey. everyone. Yeah, welcome back, Kat. Um, with us today, thankfully, she's simultaneously credible and incredible, the anomaly, Kat Ramirez! y'all just like i'm always real with my friends and family I'll always keep it real with y'all too as always grateful to be here very grateful to have you back to close off series five and with us also is the provocative one mr Devin schwartz the game is on indeed the final round is upon us the lightning round if, if you would and my good friend the incendiary james pepe Hey, it's me, James, and I want to. I didn't didn't tell you guys this, but we have a special guest today. 
Radish spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Radish spirit. Yeah. He was the one that uh, obfuscated Sen in the elevator. Am I, am I he correct? He was the one that? that just looks like me in a red hat. <laughs> <laughs> Love the self effacing humor. Yeah. Uh, and so I know that that podcasts are primarily a visual medium, so everybody will get this joke that have held up a little radish spirit plushie. They've got Google, and if they don't, they're not welcome listening to this. Stop right now. And speaking of self-effacing, we have with us the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, and greetings, gentle listeners and friends. Indeed, greetings and welcome. We're, I'm really excited about this one, but before we get too far into it, we have a little something to do that I like to call the rundown. Just faxing. My dad, a rundown. Fax that rundown. It's like back to the 90s. I remember fax machines. They were a thing. They were a nightmare, kids. Don't look them up. So our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown and... Unfortunately, Jim from the office just handed the dossier to me, so let's see what I have for us on Spirited Away. Spirited Away came out in 2001, but was released in 2003 in the United States. Uh, it is a Japanese anime animated feature film by Studio Ghibli. Um, the genres include animation, adventure, family, fantasy, and mystery. And the rating is PG for some scary moments. Maybe why this is loosely connected to Halloween. We'll find out when we uh, talk to our uh, secret uh, submission person, which we all have no idea who it is, being the fifth uh, episode in the series. Uh, quick synopsis. Chihiro and her parents are moving to a small Japanese town in the countryside, much to Chihiro's dismay. On the way to their new home, Chihiro's father makes a wrong turn. Oh, dad and drives down a lonely one-lane road which dead ends in front of a tunnel. Her parents decide to stop the car and explore the area. They go through the tunnel and find an abandoned amusement park on the other side with its own little town. When her parents see a restaurant with great-smelling food but no staff, they decide to eat and pay later, as we all would. However, Chihiro refuses to eat and decides to explore the theme park a bit more. She meets a boy named Haku, who tells her that Chihiro and her parents are in danger, and they must leave immediately. She runs to the restaurant and finds that her parents have turned into pigs. In addition, the theme park turns out to be a town inhabited by demons, spirits, and evil gods. At the center of the town is a bathhouse where these creatures go to relax. The owner of the bathhouse is an evil witch, Yubaba, who is intent on keeping all trespassers as captive workers including Chihiro. Chihiro must rely on Haku to save her parents in hopes of returning to their world. So critical rating was pretty good on this one. 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb with 7,000 ratings, 7,000 plus, and a 97% on the tomato meter with a 96% audience score and a 96 meta score as well. So we're definitely in the A range. Um, I feel like IMDb kind of is more on a curve, so it's still in the A range for IMDb. Uh, awards? Oh, yes. This one got a few. Uh, it garnered 58 wins with 31 oh, wow. nominations, yeah, wow. including an Oscar for Best Animated Feature, 
So I will ring it up. I uh, got an interesting award, which uh, I thought was kind of cute. The AARP Movies for Grownups Award <laughs> in 2003. This won the category, Jeez. and I'm not kidding. Best movie for grownups who refuse to grow up. That's Isn't that Jeez. cute? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I love it. So that's a prestigious one. Um, budget was $19 million, which is pretty cheap for an animated feature. Um, they must work the animators like slaves over there. Uh, grossed only 13.75 in the U.S. and Canada, but worldwide, which is what everyone cares about, you know, what? what's the bottom line here? 355.7 million. So a pretty good take, especially for uh, 2003. Uh, okay, notable stars and crew. Hal Miyazaki, has anyone ever heard of him? No, who's that? I know, right? Legendary uh, director and writer. Yeah. The Walt Disney of Japan, right? Yes, the, exactly. Thank you. The Walt Disney of Japan. Known for many other uh, Studio Ghibli films and other uh, movies as well. Um, and uh, Devi Chase, if I'm saying that right, uh, you would know her as the ring girl who comes through the TV. Um, Donnie Darko's little sister, Samantha Darko. Uh, you'll definitely know her as the voice of Lilo from Lilo and Stitch, which I think was maybe her first big role. And um, if you watched the hit show Big Love, I think it was on like Showtime or something, she played Rhonda Vollmer, one of the cult girls that was forced to marry the, um, the old uh, prophet guy that ran the cult. Uh, any, did anyone see uh, Big Love? Was anyone a Big Love fan here? No. Nobody? Okay. Never heard of it. <laughs> Well, my wife loves it. It's, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I want to say the lead guy on that show uh, died not too long ago, and he wasn't even that old. It's real tragic. If I remember his name later, I'll, I'll say it. You'd probably know the name. Uh, okay, so trivia. Despite having a rich plot with developed characters, uh, it was not made with a script. In fact, Miyazaki's films never had scripts which is also like Walt Disney. I'll just say that off the cuff. Uh, Disney didn't do scripts either. He used storyboards and story meetings to come up with the sequences. Uh, Miyazaki's quoted as saying, I don't have the story finished and ready when we start work on a film. I usually don't have the time. <laughs> wow, sounds like me. So the story develops when I start drawing storyboards. This is so much like Walt. Wow, no wonder they call him the Walt Disney of uh, Japan. The production starts very soon thereafter while the storyboards are still developing. Uh, Miyazaki does not know where the plot is going and he lets it happen organically. I kind of feel that. It's not really the mm -hmm. super tightest story through, through line there um, structurally either. It's not me who makes the film. The film makes itself and I have no choice but to follow. Very interesting and unique philosophy there that has worked in his favor most of the time, I'd like to think. Uh, there's an audio-visual unsynchronized thing that was called out when Haku says, even the tiniest breath will break the spell and then everyone will see you. His lips aren't moving at all. Well, just, he's throwing his voice. He's a wizard. I mean, let's just uh, paint over that with some magic, right? Fill that plot hole. Uh, the smudge on Chihiro's face changes shape, switches sides, and disappears at random during the first 40 minutes of the movie. So try unseeing that next time you watch this. Crazy credits. The credits have a series of still images from the film. The last image before the film fades is Chihiro's shoe in the river. 
Oh, that's insane. That's crazy. Um, slash S. Alternative, alter, alternate, is it's a word. Alternate versions, if I can get it out. Various dialogue is added to the English dub to explain settings, translate Japanese text or traditions. For example, for example, when uh, Chihiro first sees the bathhouse in the English dub, she says, it's a bathhouse, which isn't present in the Japanese version. So they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to translate for a Western audience, which of course they are. And Disney did a pretty good job of having this thing dubbed. In fact, they had the contract to dub all of and release here at first. I know HBO Max has it now, but uh, yeah, Disney botched that one. I bet they're uh, biting the knuckle on that now. Um, but they did a really good job of uh, hiring actors and doing a careful job of dubbing these. So the dubs are actually pretty good. They're, that's not always the case. Um, but yeah, that's the rundown. Any uh, comments, questions? I just wanted to mention, um, so this this one, best animated picture in 2003. Mm -hmm. And those categories usually aren't very like stacked full of, it's not usually like a murderer's row of like, but this year that this one, um, it was going against Ice Age, Lilo and Stitch, Spirit, which was the movie about the horses, mm -hmm. and Treasure Planet. And it, so it beat those four. Um, I, personally, I don't think any of those really hold a candle to this movie, but those are yeah. some pretty good movies. I mean, yeah, Treasure Planet is one of my favorite animated films. I don't, yeah, I don't think it could have beaten this one, but I do think it's criminally underrated by a lot of uh, people. You know, both Treasure Planet and Lilo and Stitch are both Disney movies, so they were releasing two a year back then, I guess. Wow. And isn't Ice Age, is Ice Age a, a, a blue Pixar? Pixar, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's not Pixar. It's blue. No. no, it's not Pixar. It's DreamWorks, isn't it? Can, Devin, can you? Oh, Blue Sky oh, Studios. Blue Sky. Uh, yeah, that's the one. But it was insanely yeah, that's popular. Their, that's their one. Everyone thinks it's Pixar, but it's not. It's Blue Sky. And my um, sister, my sister loves the movie Spirit. And she tells me that it's like an incredible movie that no one really knows about. Um, and I so, remember yeah, watching it I once. Uh, the horse animation was absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's a that was DreamWorks. That's the DreamWorks one. Yeah. Yeah. There was a huge falling out. The talent from Disney. Uh, I, I freaking God, I'm terrible. I know. I always said this. I always say this, and it's true. I'm not a name guy, so they just out of my head. But uh, he was their main. Uh, he ran like the animation studio and was their main story guy for Disney, uh, and oversaw their resurgence with uh, the Little Mermaid carrying forward until they had a following uh, falling out. And at which point um, he sued Disney for like uh, like half a billion dollars and um, started DreamWorks SKG with Spielberg and Geffen. Um, SKG, yeah, name's still not coming to me. But anyway, yeah, he he uh, these animated movies that you had from DreamWorks during that period are are from the guy that's like, eh, Disney, f you. So. Um, it was a really dirty thing. If you want to read about it, uh, the book's called The Disney War, uh, which I can recommend. Uh, it was a very weird time, and Disney was, uh, they were they were in the wrong, but the guy was also an asshole, so it was, it was some dirty business. And the Disney animated movies carrying forward after that weren't as good. Uh, I'll say that. But uh, let's see, what do we got next in our little lineup here? Well, I know we got Who Done It, 
But uh, first, why don't we take a look and see what is in the news? Extra, 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 read all about it. Okay. Kat, did you find anything interesting in the news today? Yes, I saw that a little girl was saved by a roasted newt in Enchanting Fever Dream film. Oh man, that roasted newt. Everybody wants that newt so bad. I know. Is that a real thing over there in Japan? Or, <laughs> you know, like, or is that just like a Spirit World uh, exclusive? I don't know, man. Sounds like something you find in like a medicine shop. When you go into those like, yeah, Asian mm -hmm. apothecaries, they got all sorts of shit like that. Well, Devin, when you head over there, ask. But as a delicacy? <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. not something you would eat whole in a single bite. <laughs> I don't know about that. Just just break me off one of those legs. That's my favorite oh, just, part. Just, just let me suck on the tail. Isn't that what the guy says? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Just the tail, please. Yeah, right. No, you're not going to get the tail. The tail's the best part. That's the prime part of Of course the tail's the best the part. Jeez. That's where all the good so juice is. No wonder he's slaving away at the bathhouse <laughs> spirit world. Yeah. Eating all the newt tails. All right, Devin, did you find anything interesting today in the, in the uh, Yeah, yeah, I found something. I had to search for a while through, through some local papers from the uh, from the spirit world. So this, this is in Spirit World Gazette. Uh, and it says, <laughs> local bathhouse tells customers, no face, no problem. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. great. <laughs> It's true. But there, but, but there was a big problem. That headline is, I think this is fake news, Devin. Oh, see, I told you, I, looked, I went too deep. The Gazette's, the Gazette's trash. Everyone knows that. Have you been listening to Spirit, jo Spirit World Alex Jones again? Probably. <laughs> oh, there are so many frogs in this movie. They're all, they're all. Oh, that's true. Oh, no. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> there you oh, have There were so many frogs. Burn. Oh, that, especially that one little frog was so cute. Oh, I love that one little frog. The one that uh, ended up taking over the no face for a while. Yeah, yeah. I want sand and food. Sand and food. Yeah, exactly. So, Pepe, if uh, Devin's going through the trash rags, I, I imagine you have the illustrious <laughs> uh, award-winning journalist yeah, yeah. Uh, rags uh, here. Rip, ripped from with. the very headlines. Uh, <laughs> I found this headline. All parents in every kid's movie ever. The worst parents or the worst parents ever. That's right. And mostly <laughs> both. <laughs> oh, man. That's, yeah. uh, they're so bad. Yeah, it's a trope. All, it's a trope. If you're a parent in a kid's movie, you're fucked. Yeah. yeah. You are you're the either... dumbest, most aloof, like disconnected. Yeah. You know, or, all or you're stuff. just. Or you're just dead before the movie starts. It's one or the other. Either you, right, you're yes, already dead or you're just the worst parent in the world. Yeah, either yep. you're Bambi's mom and just like, you know, scene one. Or you're Ferris Bueller's parents that are just totally clueless. I don't yep. remember him being absent nine times. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. One of my favorites. Okay, um, Jim, what did you find today in the news? Anything interesting? Yeah, I must have been reading the same newspaper that Kat was reading, but it's a little bit different. A uh, girl sees the Wizard of Oz and then slips into a fever dream. Yeah, yeah, much like Dorothy. Uh, and I want to get to this later. Uh, this this definitely pulls from a few popular myths, uh, the Wizard of Oz mm -hmm. probably being the, the greatest of those that, that uh, 
how Miyazaki leaned on. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, I think so. Yep. And the never ending story too with Falcor the the luck uh dragon. Oh yeah, oh, the luck yeah. dragon. Big time. Yeah. Oh, good one. Good one. Okay. Well keep those in your pocket because I wanna ask if there's any other ones uh later. But uh first, why don't we figure out who done it? Because <laughs> this one's a great mystery that must be solved. That's right, we've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award, which will be presented later tonight. And so because we are at the final episode of the series, we all know that it's James Pepe who submitted this uh, movie. And so unless someone wants to guess something else, anyone, anyone? No? Okay. Was that too big of a spoiler that I just gave away? All right, fine. Uh, so, James Pepe... Everyone's shocked. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> Audible gasp. Now that we know who done it, it's time to ask why done it. How'd you come up with Spirited Away? Uh, well, this was a little bit of a... This was a tough category, and I mm -hmm. think everybody probably did what I did and Googled uh, Oscar-winning horror movies <laughs> Yep, and uh, went through that list. Um, and I was also thinking about it. I was also thinking, like, horror. all horror movies aren't necessarily also Halloween movies, and we talked about that a little bit, too. Um, yeah, and I thought, I thought this was... Um, you know, close enough to um, something that one might watch during the Halloween season. Um, and it won uh, a best picture, a best animated picture. Um, and so I picked it because it's a super good movie and it's got um, all sorts of like, it takes place in the spirit world. It's got all sorts of cool monsters and stuff. Um, the beginning of it, I mean, I think you could make a pretty good argument that this is a horror movie, too, like a kid's horror movie. Um, yeah, there's some scary parts. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that whole opening sequence is pretty scary. And uh, Including when separation turn into anxiety. And stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Um, it, 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 oh, I don't want to cut you off if you have something else to say. Go ahead. No, that was about it. I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of ghouls and ghosts in this. There's a lot of like, like those scenes where she has to like walk down those, those like flights of stairs and all that stuff. All that's so scary, you know? Um, yeah, geez. And, and there's uh, all sorts of weird stuff in it. Yubaba is like terrifying. Yubaba is um, scary. No face is scary when he starts yep. fucking eating people and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, I bet that, some kids have had nightmares. The damn baby scared the shit out of me until like oh. until it gets nice <laughs> later in the movie. Like yeah, when the, baby. Produced, the baby's terrifying. Babies are terrifying, especially if you're a first time parent. Yikes. Um, yeah. And I think that no face is probably a pretty popular Halloween costume, or at least it was when this came out. If I remember. Oh, probably. yeah. And people still cosplay as no face. I've seen. Enough. Yeah. Someone. Uh, oh, fuck. Who was it with the on the red carpet? Who was the lady that had the dress and she like stuck her leg out? I always thought that was a reference to No Face. It probably wasn't, but it, like she does the No Face thing. Oh, who was it? God damn it! Never mind. Oh, now you're turning into me. <laughs> I'll have to Google it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know names. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not a name guy either. 
I, I know the work and the face, but not the name. Um, yeah, and also uh, thematically, um, this is one of those interesting things uh, to me where directors uh, have these re-emerging themes. Um, with this one, uh, he has this reoccurring theme in his films of a young person, usually a girl, who is either uh, learning to be uh, self-reliant or becomes or is self-reliant right off the bat, you know, and kind of shows that off, or becomes self-actualized at an atypically young age. Yeah. Can anyone yeah, I mean, concur? This, this movie starts the same way Totoro starts with a girl moving into a new house, which is the way this movie sort of starts. They talk about moving. Yeah, moving is um, another one. Yeah. Kiki also starts that way, right? She moves away from home to become a real witch, and she has one to of my find favorites. her way. Yeah. Right away in the in the city. Mm -hmm. Um Howells does a similar thing where the girl has to is it it's a girl in that movie too, right? Yeah, she's like just gotten a job. I think that's like her like kind of transition is like she's like uh, getting a job somewhere, I'm pretty sure. She's like slaving yeah. away at her mom's uh hat shop and is yeah. really like stepped all over and then becomes self-actualized through the course of the film. And then the other theme is it's like young love, first love that keeps cropping up. And then my favorite, uh, which nobody else has seen or cares about. Uh, uh, and now I'm forgetting the name of that. Too. Are you going to oh, see fucking Earthsea? No, Are you going to say Earthsea? Okay. No, sir. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have to look it up because I'm just blanking on everything. But it's a story about a young Anya? girl who's writing. No. Uh, How Miyazaki didn't actually direct it. He wrote it. And there was another director. Um, who was kind of may, maybe not completely on par with him, but was like a very good director of theirs. And he did this one movie. And then unfortunately he was uh, killed very early on in his life uh, in a car accident, not long after the movie was released. And it's uh, too bad, really. Oh, that's too uh, bad. I'll look that up now. Um, but also the theme of young love and first love comes up again and again. Um, I feel like Howl's Moving Castle was maybe one of my favorites too and then they kind of tapered off in quality after that uh not to um insult maybe someone's favorite movie after that but they're less prestigious and the studio had struggles with finances and stuff and had, had trouble like uh, making ends meet but they always seem to have a resurgence and every and after every movie for the last like almost 20 years now miyazaki said he's retiring and then comes back yeah, in right. retirement with a new movie yeah. Uh, and his son did try to direct a few of them, and they're eh, they're not so good. There was a new one actually that came out like straight to HBO that was just like critically panned. Recently. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that one either. It was Hedwig or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I watched it and was like, wow. It was three D. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that three uh, D to look like two D style very much. But let me ask you this before we get too far into this. What, and I'll also look up the name of that movie. That's one of my favorites. I can't remember the name, <laughs> which is so dumb. But um, I'll look that up. But who's seen it? Has everyone seen this one? And if you did you see it a long time ago? Did you see it recently? Let's start with Kat. I, yeah, I've definitely seen this a few times, um, but probably a while ago because maybe as a kid, like maybe early teens, but it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Um, but I remember, like, I remembered it really well because I, yeah, I think it definitely stuck 
with me last time I saw it, however long ago it was. Um, I think like watching it this time, definitely like that whole feeling of separation anxiety, like it really caught, like it really got that sense of like childlike feeling, um, being anxious and like being scared. Um, and I, which I can like appreciate more as an adult, like looking at it and being like, Oh, that's how I felt like as a child sometimes when I lost my parents in Walmart. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was always like Walmart or something, you know. <laughs> did the security guard have to uh, do the announcement for you or did you eventually find your parents? No, it would be like... They, like she still lost there today. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I was abandoned, actually. Um, no, um, it was like they, them being like ahead of me, like, but like still in the distance, I just like lost like vision of them for like a split second. But like in that split second, as a child, I'm freaking out, you know? Yeah, it's, like, no, it's, it's a do? real thing. Everyone, I'm yeah. sure everyone's experienced that feeling. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so when you found them again, did it silence the lambs, Clarice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Calling back. Uh, the name of that movie, uh, Whisper of the Heart. Has anyone else seen that? No one's ever heard oh, of it. Oh, I haven't seen that one, no. Yeah, no, see, we're getting all shakes, shaking heads. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite movies. But uh, like I always say, it's almost specifically tailored to me. It's one of those things that just happens to check very specific boxes that uh, have parallels to my own uh, life when I was that age. So, oh, we've bored Jim. He's gone. Uh, hopefully he comes back. Another um, another pretty good one that is my wife's favorite. We all watched all of these uh, still many times. Uh, when Marnie was there, it was a kind of a recent one that was, I think, 2017. That was a, a pretty good recent Ghibli film. But um, there's sort of been hit or miss since uh, the era of this and like Howl's Moving Castle and stuff. Uh, but Devin, have, you've seen this, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, yes. There was a period of my life where I watched this movie maybe twice a week uh, because it was the kind of thing where, like, if I met a person who hadn't seen it, I would make them watch it with me. I would just like I was probably totally obnoxious about it. I would force them to sit down at like a library computer because I knew all the websites where you could watch it for free. Nice. Just as, like a, just a video online. And yeah, I forced probably 100 people to watch this movie throughout my like high school age like career. So, uh, yeah, I have seen this movie so many times. <laughs> I probably yeah. know most of the lines like by heart. <laughs> yep. There you go. Yeah. Similarly, when this came out and won, I was working at uh, Video Droid, which is a video store. Um, look up what those are, kids. They're not really mm. around anymore. Um, and we would all, all the whole staff would just try to thrust this into people's hands if they hadn't seen it. It was one of those. Definitely. Like, you got to see this. Um, Absolutely. and it was always, we'd always ask afterwards and it was always, uh, with the response of being delighted by it and surprised. So, but James Pepe, you chose this, uh, so obviously you've seen it before, but do you want to talk more about that? Did you catch it in the theater? Did you watch it after the, uh, after it won the award? How did that come about? No, I actually got to see this in a theater when it was released, um, and probably in 2003, so I was like 17 or 18 at the time. Uh, Your dad so let you see this one? I know, <laughs> I know. I I have really liberal parents. Right. Yeah. Um, I went and saw it with a friend of mine. It was the two of us and then two other people in the theater. And uh, 
we were basically just cutting up the whole time. So the first time I saw it, I didn't have like a really great experience of it. I mean, I had a great time because we were making great jokes and we had the other two guys laughing as well. Teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but then it, this movie took me a little while to come around on. This is probably like the fourth or fifth time I've seen this movie. And it's really been only with this viewing and maybe the one before this, where I really started to really, really like it and see it for the masterpiece that it is. Um, Cause it's and not, it is. it's a masterpiece. Yeah. But it's not, it's not easy to get into right off the bat. I think it takes, you have to, it's not, it's not perfect in all ways, although it is a masterpiece. And I think at least for me, it was hard to, see it and we can talk about this later but yeah i think it's sure I and i it, agree it with you needs to grow on you a little bit structurally his movies are a little loose i'll say that but we can also like you were saying we can dive into that later but uh yeah um but that's nice to oh it's always nice to hear like a, the, a movie theater going story so back then so did you when did you how long ago was it that you kind of saw it in through the eyes of uh kind of recent contemporary pepe you know i don't really remember um i probably within the last 10 years probably sure, sure. but even but even before that i was probably coming around to it because sometimes sometimes when you see something and you're like oh, i don't really like this it just sort of takes someone else to be like this is really good and then you take another look at it and you're like oh yeah this is really good um and that probably happened to me at some point someone probably told me he was they were like what do you you know we were talking about it and they were like yeah spirit away that masterpiece and i yeah. was like really you that movie and then you know you just are getting back to when you were 17 cracking jokes and whatnot yeah yeah it just <laughs> sometimes it just takes you that it does little little seed planted in your mind to like take a second look at it in a different way you know yep. it was it was secretly me pepe was one of those strangers that i, I forced to watch this movie with me <laughs> that's our like superhero right. origin story yeah i was spending a lot of time in the bathhouse that Devin was hanging around <laughs> <in>. <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah as as one does keep those eyes open yeah especially in the changing room um, okay, so yeah, I will say also that this movie and several of the Studio Ghibli films are kind of a go-to for me, almost in an anti-anxiety sort of way. They tend to like calm me down and kind of uh, ground me. Is any um, does anyone else have that experience? Absolutely, yeah, and like all of the like all of their movies have like really peaceful like opening sequences you know it's like they always start with like a really beautiful like scenic you know some kind of scenic outlook and like oh, some really nice it. music yeah. and like yeah anytime i turn on any of my like favorites it's like immediately calms me down it's like it's so nice yeah so me with who experiences anxiety issues here and there that's one of the things that i'll just toss it on even in the background just to kind of uh, keep the peace upstairs in a way um Speaking Jim, I thought I thought piece. you had I thought you had said this was your first time seeing it, Jim. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to Jim. Yep. You stepped yeah. on my segue. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. 
Yeah, Jim, yeah. is this your first time, really? That's awesome. Yeah, it's my first time. And in addition to that, none of the movies that you mentioned, the other ones that uh, have okay. been done by this director, I have seen this whole, like, spance um, I've missed out on. And uh, it, it almost feels like the way you guys talk about it, it feels the way I feel about uh, um, Willow because that kind of grew with me as I grew, you know, and that was a, you know, a big that. deal. Yeah. And uh, what you were saying, Pepe, and I think it was uh, echoed a little bit as well, is that this is not you know, structurally, it's really loose. And what Pepe had said about, you know, seeing it the first time, yeah, a lot is lost on you. And, and I think that some movies and obviously some anime, it needs a little bit of time to kind of percolate and it definitely needs a rewatching. And I think with, with the rewatching, because you already kind of know what's going on instead of trying to take the pieces and put them together, which is what I was trying to do. And so I realized, Oh, this definitely is like a wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland. This is just an Eastern depiction of that. So, you know, I had to tell myself just kind of relax and then and enjoy the the ride you know yeah so did you enjoy the ride uh yeah it was enjoyable but to be honest i i think that it's a good anime but i don't watch a lot of anime um there was a time in my life where i did and that was around the time that like akira and uh fist of the north star record of lotus war like the older um, anime and then I just really kind of stopped and I feel like once you watch a lot of anime just like watching any genre you start to see the beats or maybe the yeah. cultural nuances and so you pick up on it easier but because I don't watch a lot of anime and haven't for years um I'm almost like trying to piece out the nuances as well, if that makes any sense. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, not being uh, burst um, in, in this genre, I, I think that does take away from the anime because I'm just trying to figure everything out. Yeah. In that sense, it almost reminds me of when I was viewing November. And it took me that second viewing that I just happened to squeeze in before the show where I was really mm -hmm. like, really like enjoying that second viewing. Yeah, um, it, it was almost a different movie because I had just had time to process what I was seeing and those nuances and, and, and mm -hmm. uh, cultural uh, uh, things that, um, you know, I had to sort of wrap my mind around. Right. And also, yeah. this movie is very rich in detail, and the story does kind of go all over the place. I mean, we were talking about the myths and stories that this uh, pulled from. Um, I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, The Wizard of Oz, uh, maybe the chronic what coals of Narnia, um, probably a bunch of Japanese myths that I'm completely ignorant of. Mm -hmm. uh, any, other, any other things you guys want to throw into the, to the blender? Yeah, actually, I wanted to mention this, that uh, I, and, and Pepe would certainly know more about this, but it seems like there's a lot of references to Greek mythology in this, specifically the story of the underworld in the, oh, the idea okay. of having to consume food to 
stay there because in the, in the Greek underworld, if you eat the food of Persephone. the underworld, you yeah, you're trapped there forever. Mm. Um, Persephone eats a pomegranate seed, which is very similar to the thing that uh, Haku gives to Jihiro to get her to stay there. Um, and there's also another, the other thing that would not be enough alone, I think, to make me think immediately of it. But okay. then at the very end, uh, when they're leaving, Jihiro almost looks back, but chooses not to, which there's another Greek myth about the underworld. When the mortal yeah, who's in right. love with Persephone goes to rescue her, he's only allowed to leave. I think it's Persephone. He's only allowed to leave with her if he doesn't look back. He has to trust that she's following him. And if, yep. she, if he looks back, she's trapped there forever. And so it was another like small thing that uh, seemed like it was referencing that. But didn't he lose? Didn't he then lose her for the three months, which became winter or something? Or am I mixing my Greek myths here? Help me out. I don't. I don't because remember. Because he looks okay. This is gonna garner an email. Hopefully, come on, be wrong. So because <laughs> so because he looks back, she ends up. Maybe it's with the three pomegranate seeds that she eats. One of the two, she ends up having to go back there for three months out of the year, and that is what we know as winter. I think that's what the myth. Oh, uh, that sounds right. Yeah. It reminded cool. me of uh, it reminded me of the story of uh, Lot's wife. Who, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they they were leaving what like Sodom or something, and she looked back and she turned that's into right. a pillar of salt. Pillar yeah. of salt. Yeah. So it's never a recurring thing. This reminded me of was. Um, the more the, the Christian belief of the seven deadly sins, um, like Very gluttony good. was one of them, anger mm-hmm. is one of them, um, lust, greed, envy, pride, um, which I like, I just like Damn, thinking cat. about it. Yeah, thinking you about it, I'm down pretty good. Yeah, thinking about it, I'm just like, I, I can see all of that in the movie. Well, I was thinking about it throughout the movie. So that's why I was like, okay, I looked it up and I was like, what is the seven deadly sins? I'm just trying to remember. And so, um once i yeah i saw that i was like okay yeah that I see a lot of that throughout the the film which made me just wonder like it was trying to have some sort of lesson within it i don't know but not that it needs to but oh yeah he's all about yeah. the lesson miyazaki's all about the lesson and it, it, i'm just garnering this from uh garnering i'm getting this from like interviews with him um moral and imbuing it with a morality or a philosophy is a big deal for him so yeah you're on you're on track there um yeah nice uh anything else well my or guess did you want to name that, uh... those sins as you saw them or were you oh um so i mean gluttony i think that was an obvious one i was like off the bat yeah. the pigs the parents and everything like oh, overly eating um the no no face man um i think like he represented gluttony too but also like uh greed with the gold okay um well the ink, people picking up the gold too yeah 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 um and then anger i mean that was i think with the what's her name the, the old lady Yubaba. Yubaba, yeah. yeah she was she would lash out a lot in anger um really quickly um i think the other one was yeah wrath but she also fit that too lust i mean there was kind of, of Lust wasn't very apparent. Um, I mean, that there was kind of like that love relationship between the kids, but like, I wouldn't, I don't know. If I, would I would say no face probably when he's proclaiming that he wants Sen. Um, it, it's probably the closest There's, you could, that I would see that you would get to that. Lust, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, then it, like envy the, for sure. The baby could represent sloth. Uh, 
Yeah, I was there you go. Sleeping in time, time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. okay. Cat was getting there. Yeah. Good. Well, you picked up yeah. on it too, Devin. So two people uh, picked up on it. It must be true. It's canon, folks. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, sure what are, we, are we missing? Uh, oh, we envy. We already covered. Uh, I think Ubaba was envious of her sister, or yeah, or something. Vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, we're envious of each other for like. In the, I don't know. I, I guess it goes with the like, greed in the sense of like gold and all that. So. A lot of those sins are connected. I feel like there's some. There's some. Uh, there's some overlap. Fine lines there, yeah. I'm sorry, did you have a joke there, Pepe? Because it looked like that you probably had something. I just said there's some overlap in the sins, yeah. Yeah, some sinful overlapping here, which yeah, is yeah. in itself a sin, <laughs> overlapping. Right. It's a fetish, at least. I don't know if it crosses that threshold <laughs> of sin, but <laughs> it's, a, it's out there, man. It's out there. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I, 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 had, I would have to guess that like those various, like, monsters and spirits that we see are like representative of something also that we that i at least just don't get <laughs> there was a yeah. lot i assume there was a lot of japanese myth and mythology in in this movie that i'm just like i i have no idea about and i'm sure it's really integrate integrated yep yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I don't I don't know a ton about uh, Shintoism, which is the religion of Japan. Um, I do know that they believe in the existence of spirits, obviously, but I know that typically the depiction is is their idea is that spirits live in everything in our world. So like, the idea of like a river spirit makes sense, like the river river has a spirit. Um, but I I don't, as far as I know, there is no belief in a spirit world within Shintoism. There's no belief that oh, there's like a physical okay. place where spirits exist like so that they you can exist, travel to there's no like underworld in the sense of other religions realm. is that the idea yeah yeah Sorry, they exist among us over. yeah yeah so i yeah. think that they're definitely borrowing from a lot of different religions because the yeah, this entire idea i think is not particularly present in shintoism japan feels like a cultural melting pot too so i can see why you know and they're very familiar with western culture more so than many other asian countries i feel like um but the only thing i know about the Shintoism thing is on the Simpsons, of course. Um, when the Simpsons go to Japan and um, because Homer sees a product that looks like his face or they use his face as an icon and he wants to go find out why. And it's for like some kind of cleaning product that banishes dirt to the land of wind and ghosts. So that's that's my yeah. background. That's my uh, contribution there. Enjoy that. <laughs> We've been, we're all enriched. Yes. <laughs> You very much are You're welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but the animation uh, is second to none. Um, I think we probably can all agree to that, uh, particularly the sequence that they featured at the Oscars. I still remember. Uh, I saw that win first before I went and checked it out. I was just getting into studying animation at the time. I had not yet gone to animation school, but I was signed up and raring to go in 2003. I think I started later that year um, after having seen this. But the clip I remember was the uh, Oscar clip was the polluted river bath sequence. Uh, and still, it's one of the most impressive and just beautifully realized sequences I've ever seen. Um, yeah, when they played good. that at the Oscars, I was like, this one's got to win. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Is that a standout uh, scene for you guys? I'm the Man, choosing, one. choosing one scene is hard. I mean, I, I know this, I guess this technically is an animation, but like the sequences where she, where Chihiro is like 
getting pulled through the various like hallways and stuff of the uh, Yubaba's oh, yeah, palace and just like seeing every inch of piece of floor and ceiling and pillar just like lavishly embellished uh, that like some first some poor Japanese man had to draw all that shit you know uh, yeah and it's just it's so beautiful and I don't want to generalize but they tend to in my uh, experience be a lot better at doing the whole setting thing like these like beautiful scenery backgrounds and um and then when they get into drawing like like buildings and architecture and cityscapes they they just particularly uh render the detail in a way that's just absolutely stunning and uh um, yeah. they don't lay they don't lay off of the hard the difficult to tackle stuff like that yeah, the, particularly the style of the bathhouse itself is a style that, like, I, I couldn't define. Like, I, I think that it would be very difficult to define, but, like, I think it's its own genre because I seek out art like that. I absolutely love art like that. That's, like, Me too. these just strange, like, impossible urban architectures where there's just, like, pipes sticking out all over the damn place and, like, you know, rooms that are jutting out at odd angles. Like, it's, like, not... I mean, it's it's based on the way that a lot of buildings are built in Japan that have been, because of necessity, things have been added on, and, you know, there's all kinds of code violations because they just have to to fit as many people as they can in there. But it's, like, taken to an extreme, and it's, like, made into, like, a fantasy, and it's, it's so fascinating, and I love that you, kind of art. You'd think with the amount of earthquakes they get over there, I mean, it's, like, on par with California, even worse, maybe. Um, but that would be a little more devastating when that happens. But um, can I ask you this? I, you want to go to Japan, Devin. I want to go to Japan. And a lot of the reason I feel like is from these renderings through, uh, through anime that give me such a sense of, of the setting there or of the land there that I really want to go see it for myself and experience it. Is that where do you think that that comes from for you? Because I know that's where it comes from for me. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I could trace a lot of me wanting to be in Japan to this movie specifically, like because I watched mm -hmm. it so much as a kid mm -hmm. and, and like was so obsessed with it. Yeah, I think this definitely has ingrained in me a, a vision of Japan, which like as an adult, I recognize is not realistic. Obviously, it's, you know, right. it's a, an artist fiction, but certainly it has drawn me there for, you know, one reason or another. Yeah, and I know that the reality is obviously going to be different, uh, maybe even starkly so, but I feel like um, that I won't be disappointed when I finally do get to go check it out for myself. Um, but we'll find out. Maybe we'll touch on that later when we actually get out uh, and go do a thing for once. But until then, video games. <laughs> video games all the way down. <laughs> And anime. What is it? Is it otaku? Is that the name for Westerners who are into anime that just think uh, that Japan is a big one big anime? Yeah, it's like Westerners that are obsessed with with Japan, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I probably have a little a sprinkling of that. I'm not uh, I haven't watched every anime nor am I couldn't I couldn't name all of them, but I do watch enough of them when they come up. Uh, particularly, Actually, I've re gotten into it because Netflix has done such a great job of uh, of dubbing uh anime that's come out uh, since the era of this movie actually i think sorry i think the word i'm thinking of is weeaboo weeaboo is is westerners that are obsessed with, with eastern culture uh otaku is the japanese word for basically nerd it's but it's so it's used okay. within japanese as like yeah someone who's obsessed with with anime or something um and then they subscribe the word weeaboo to uh outsiders there you go see i tricked you into learning japanese 
Baka Devin. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, Devin gonna... gross out moments? Oh, go ahead, Kat. We'll get to the gross out just... moments in a second. I was just going to say, um, I was really, what I really loved about this film or what I paid attention to was like, my yeah, mind by it was the, was the lighting and the shot, the, the, the attention to detail with like light and shadows. Um, okay. which I mean, it again goes over with, you know, just the setting and all everything you guys were talking about in, in the details of, um, the animation in, in itself. But like, um, I just was, that's like the one thing I love and I really like, um, in any sort of imagery is just, I look at the lighting and how that plays a role into it. And so, um, did a really, I don't know. It was just really beautiful. In that yeah. Sense. You know, you strike me as someone who does pay attention to that because your lighting, uh, you usually put a lot of thought into that and you've inspired me to kind of do something with my lighting, uh, other than just pointed at a white wall. Um, so well, the, the way they that. make uh, right the way now. they make all the the lamps and like the windows and everything glow, it's so beautiful. Mm. Like when that when that boat is coming across the across the water, just seeing mm. that, and or even just seeing like all the lamps get lit when the when the at the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, that's yeah, it's gorgeous. Thing. It's fucking ghosts, amazing. The spirits start showing up. Yeah, and they, we have the you have different types of lighting, like caustic lighting, which is uh, beautiful. Uh, the other one where you see the the rays of light. Some people call them uh, uh, what god beams or something like that. But I god rays. God rays. Yeah, I call them volumetric lighting. I think that's more of a technical way to put it. Volumetric light. Uh, yeah, they definitely have. They're hitting. It's so rich. They're hitting on all all sorts of things. And the the little elements that they hint at. You know, it's definitely one of those like ninety percent below the water, and then the ten percent you're seeing is still very rich and. Um, I'll do a clip from the, the Boiler Man, which is just fantastic. Oh man, he's so cool! Um, Kamaji, yeah, Kamaji's the best. Kamaji, yeah, and there's just all these like little things like that that just hint at this deeper world, which I can also see Jim's point, and uh, I, I remember feeling that same way. Where there's a lot, there's a lot there to process, but it's also something that's it's so rich and detailed that you get a sense that the world is a real place. Like you could go visit this place, and um, it's just the details there uh just elicit those feelings like that that it's absolutely rendered and uh, a place that you could um walk through a tunnel and find yourself a part of but well, let's uh play a clip from the boiler man who's one of my favorite characters and he has a great voice too also uh the uh i'll, I'll say this uh if america wants to uh find a cheap solution for the labor issue they can uh turn to Kamaji and get the uh, spell for <laughs> turning uh, coal dust into uh, enslaved workers and therefore keep this uh, mighty Wurlitzer spinning off into the night. <gasps> A human! You're in trouble. You're the one everyone's looking for. She's my granddaughter. Granddaughter? She said she wants to work here. But I've got all the help I need. Would you take her to see you, Baba? She's a tough little girl. I think she can handle it. No way. I'm not going to risk my life. What if I give you this roasted newt? Hmm? It's a good one. If you want a job, you'll have to make a deal with you, Baba. She's the head honcho here. Give me that. Come on, little girl. You better follow me.
Can't you even manage a yes ma'am or a thank you? Yes ma'am. What a dope. Hurry up. Yes ma'am. Ugh, you don't need your shoes or your socks. Just leave them. Yes ma'am. Thank the boiler man, you idiot. You know he's really sticking his neck out for you. Good luck. Boy, they really are able to just tell the story through sound there in such a beautiful way, too. And I was worried going into this needlessly that I wouldn't be able to, because it's such a visually stunning movie, uh, that I wouldn't be able to get good sound clips. But it's given me a... It always gives me a, a really good appreciation for good sound work be, when you take the visuals out and just listen to it. They did such an excellent job here. You really felt all those sounds happening. Um, but that, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to mention quickly that that performance is David Ogden Steers, who plays Kamaji, who was okay. best known for playing Major Charles Winchester on MASH. Oh, okay. Uh, so, wow, he did you. an excellent job. Um, Kamaji is such a great character. I really, really enjoyed him. Um, everyone comes off a little gruff at first with Sen, and then she ends up winning them over. Um, yeah. I think just every character ends up loving Sen by the end, and I think the audience does too. Um, There's... They also play into the these like very recognizable uh, uh, archetypes of like, you know, there's like the gruff kind of old man who's who comes off really mean and, and curmudgeon but then secretly likes the main character and like doesn't yes. help them. And That's then in a similar way that like Lynn is sort of the like professional woman who like expects you to keep pace with her. But like, you know, secretly she's looking out for you and like likes you, but she like is pushing you kind of harder than than you expect, you know. It's like you see those things all, all the time, especially in children's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Children's animation has all kinds of characters like this. Yeah. What What's her name again? The the Lynn. Her, Lynn. Yeah. Lynn really, uh, really loves Sen uh, and takes to her pretty quick, even though it's kind of secretly, right? Um, yeah. But she kind of like lets it slip until the point where she just gives up the facade and is just like you know out 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 for Sen, Team Sen, all the way, hundred percent. Um, and really sticks her neck out for her and tells her she'll save her at certain times and warns off no face to not hurt her and all this stuff. So great character. Um, but everyone seems to be eating in this film. Uh, there's a lot of eating. And so I did want to ask Devin, did you have any uh, gross out moments or, or anything else in there? Let's check with the canary in the coal mine here on this. So, I mean, the like opening scene, obviously, like where they're turning into pigs is gross, but also it's meant to be gross because they're turning into pigs and it's like mm -hmm. meant to like like cats had display gluttony. So it's like, yeah, well, obviously, I still find it unsettling. I like okay. it, it's part of the movie and part of the story, whereas in the scene in Michael and Marie, I, or is that his name? Michael? Malcolm. Malcolm. That sounds wrong. OK, Malcolm. Yeah, I don't think you're meant to be disgusted by Malcolm in that scene. I think they're just like it's just like a realist. Like he's just eating like, I don't know. It's Pretty just sure like, you're supposed to be disgusted by him in every scene. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, the point of that movie is that they're both kind of terrible. I don't think Malcolm's like the bad guy. And she doesn't, like, like Marie doesn't get any, you know, horrifying scenes like that. That just Marie. make her seem like a awful human being but yeah, yeah 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 no i, I like the only his one rant, but yeah there's plenty of issues uh, to take with with him in that movie 
the only one that sets me off is actually when Kamaji talks with his mouthful because that in that scene it's not necessary and I, I hate people talking with their mouthful. It's disgusting. Yeah, eating eating's a touchy touchy subject for a lot of people, myself included. Though I'm not probably at, in the extreme that you are, um, but the food still looks freaking amazing. Oh my god! Uh, in this movie. All, all animated always, food, yeah. all animated food oh. looks incredible. I don't care who's doing it, but goddamn, it's a but very important element. Specifically in Eastern animation, I think. Uh, And I really Mm -hmm. enjoy it. And I think they even came out with a Spirited Away cookbook or something. I'm sure they did. I think it was a Studio Ghibli cookbook. Is that Um, what it is? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But yeah, between the feast in this movie and the like breakfast in Howl's Moving Castle with that like impossibly thick bacon. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Give me a couple more slices of that bacon and four more eggs or whatever he says. Yeah. Cooking is very important. I remember a Western filmmaker said that always include some kind of food or eating scene where you can show off the food because it will draw the audience in. And it works for me every time. Even even that classic scene in the opening of Shrek when he's like eating like eyeballs and and like worms. It's still like it's it always made me hungry when I was a kid. I don't know. I loved it. Cat shaking her head. Are you on board with that cat? No, not at all. <laughs> you can go back and watch that scene and tell me it doesn't make you hungry. That's he lovingly prepares those newt's eyes, all right? I'm putting that on your gravestone. It's funny. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, so that's our homework <laughs> during the two-week break. We all got to go back and watch that scene, and we'll we'll reconvene and vote on whether or not that was appetizing. I'm sure yeah. Shrek will come up in here at some point. Come on, it's a masterpiece. I'll say this. Even the food in Pan's Labyrinth in the in the gross scene there was somehow appealing to me um, in certain points, even though there's horrific elements in there. Has everyone seen Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah. Everyone's mm-hmm. not. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. You haven't seen that Of course, David no. has Okay, well, if that's that'll be forthcoming then. I really um, don't like reading subtitles. <laughs> I hate it so much. Yeah. Oh well, this may be the only way then if we force you to watch it. So we'll see. We'll see. It, it ha- it's a really good movie and um, stands up, I think. Uh, Jim, is that one of the. Did, Jim recommended a horror podcast. What was that podcast called again? I, I listened to their episode about Pan Labyrinth and it was really great. Oh, uh, Faculty of Horror. I think that's one you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, Faculty of yeah. Horror. Yeah, that was a, that was a gem. Um, in their Pan's Labyrinth episode, check it out if you uh, have seen that or want to watch it and check out an episode about it. They get really in-depth with the mythology and um, and the story and the director, and they, they really uh, cover their bases on that show. Really good one. Yeah. Um, Grown-up worldview. Everything can be solved by having credit cards and cash. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right. If that was that was like a very Western thing. A, a lot of elements in this movie were very Western. Um, well, I, that, that actually made me wonder whether her dad was supposed to be an American guy, because that's one of the thing. Um, one of the things Miyazaki gets heat for is that almost none of his movies are based in Japan, or I guess I should say, a lot of them are not based in Japan, because he loves yeah. the sort of like the sort of like post World War One era of Europe, yeah, which a lot is of why German. like stuff right yeah which is why so many of his movies have like airships and shit in them he just like loves that stuff like that like world war one era kind of time um and he just doesn't like even in even in this movie a lot of these characters um 
don't don't look like super super Japanese, right? I mean, they 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 don't. I mean, you know, like even Sen or even uh, Chihiro, like her hair is brown, which would presumably be black instead. But maybe that was an animation thing they didn't want to make it black, or you know. But that is one of the things he takes heat for is that a lot of he's like the Japanese animator and almost. And a lot of his movies aren't based in Japan. Yeah, no, that's a valid point. And um, I feel like a lot of anime doesn't, the characters don't typically look Japanese in them. In fact, they make the eyes so big that it makes me wonder what. Yeah, right. I don't know the history of that style, but um, it seems well, I mean, like nowadays, that dates back a lot to of, the very beginning of that style. Yeah, I mean, nowadays a lot of like, well, I was going to say a lot of like women in anime have just like ridiculous proportions, but mm. there are, they would have more what we'd assume to be, or what we would say to be Western proportions, but, but you know, they're cartoon characters, you know, it'd be interesting to know kind of the story behind that. Um, but I know they're a very Western looking society there from my, is my understanding, probably due to world war two and, and beyond. Right. Well, yeah, um, they want their Levi's and their Marlboro's or whatever. Right. Yeah. After the war, you know. Yes, and so, but what I admire is the mix between the Western culture and the Eastern culture uh, creates a very interesting uh, kind of blend that I find really appealing, and those elements that they get in there uh, that date back uh, before the Western influence um, really adds kind of a, a nice twist on things that. Um, I don't know. I just find it super appealing. Um, can anyone get my back on that? Or, well, I mean, this movie is is like deeply non-Western, even if the characters aren't like on the nose for like you know Japanese people. Um, I think there's no mistaking that this is like not an American movie. You know? Yeah, I guess the what I'm trying to say maybe is the Western part is uh, makes it a little easier for me to approach it but I'm staying for those elements that feel like I'm going to a different place, you know? Um, and then it, Miyazaki is very specific like that with the airships and the fascination with aeronautics and, and flying in general, um, which I also share. It's, I find that very appealing. It's almost like a, a steampunk kind of feel sometimes with him, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I get what you're saying, Ben. I think that it's you know important to note that like for each of these, you know, Eastern films that that makes it to America and becomes really popular, there's you know probably a thousand that don't. And like so, there's right. there's something about the way that Miyazaki does his movies that makes them palatable to the to the general populace of America, whereas many Japanese movies just wouldn't translate literally or figuratively to America. What it reminds me of is like if I don't know if anyone's been to like Disney World, there's like Animal Kingdom and stuff. There's like a lot of attention mm -hmm. to detail to represent the place that they're trying to depict. Uh, they they actually draw you know archaeologists, people like who are very knowledgeable about those locations um, to try to create a setting that simulates those actual locations, but because it's so well intended and so perfectly placed it i feel like it it's like a it's just a disneyfied version of like those places and that's kind of how this film feels to me too it's like it's this romanticized 
you know, perfect, like, oh, not perfect, but like, it, it's a, it is idealized. How detail, yeah, it's idealized. Yeah. That, that's like, or yeah. And romanticized. So yeah. Um, yeah. Version of those places that make it feel, I think like that Western or more that like Walt Disney feel to it is that it, it's very, um, intended. Like everything's really well intended. I think and you're so, right. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But it works. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to put my finger on too, but I find it like not just appealing. I find it super appealing. Like there's something that like just, it's a sense of being drawn towards it to me, like almost like a moth to flame or something. It, it taps into something primal, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah, something that can't be denied or, or something. And I have been to that park. Um, I went to Disney World on my honeymoon. We stayed there for a little over a week. And that park specifically was just, I'll, I'll make a pun here, wild. Um, it, <laughs> it was, it yeah. was amazing. Uh, it's, uh, the, and I, afterwards, I didn't totally appreciate it as much when I was there. Uh, I, looked, I watched some documentary on how it was built and maintained and stuff. It's crazy what they put into that. The, the amount of development and care that went into those details. Yeah, I, I do think there's like a similar thing happening there. So I, I don't know if there's a word for that. I bet there's a German word that just like nails it down. They always have a word for everything. <laughs> yeah, right. There. Yeah, of course. No, I, 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 I get what you mean. There is, there is, um, there is a little bit of uh, like you get the vibe that this is like an impossible space, right? Because even when you see the building on the outside and you see that it's huge, when you're walking around, when you're following the characters around on the inside, you're like, okay, I, I can sort of keep track of where this might be in this building, but this building still doesn't seem quite big enough or like I don't quite get the geometry of this place. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it, I think it is, I think it is by design made to be like as appealing to look at as possible. <laughs> um, I mean, even just like, just like the hardwood floors in the, they just like shine, like the, the wood just like shines like gold and the reds are like so bright and the blues are so deep and, and everything is just, yeah, you like you, you see the artist hand in every single fucking thing. Everything was scrutinized over and went over. But uh, yeah, I mean, I find that incredible. I, I think that's amazing. Yeah, talking about the light again too, and um, yeah, and I don't, I really don't know what it is. We'll have to look it up later. Um, let's talk about. Uh, I'll do a clip here. Um, this reminded me of a my first job interview, and b the contemporary job market and why people are quitting in mass numbers because this is yeah. how badly employees <clears throat> are treated. Um, yeah, this part uh, was very scary to me because uh, job interviews are so uh, nerve-wracking. So, poor Sen. Anyone can see you're lazy, spoiled crybaby, and you have no manners. This is a high-class place I'm running here, so there's no job for you. Now get out. I've got all the lazy bums I need. Or maybe I'll give you the most difficult job I've got and work you until you breathe your very last breath. 
Mommy's here. Be a good boy now. Why are you still here? I told you to leave. I want you to give me a job, please. Quiet down. You're scaring the baby. Ooh. Hi, sweetie. Don't be angry. It's a good boy. I'm not leaving till you give me a job. Okay, okay. Just be quiet. Here comes Mommy. I'm coming to get you. Coming to get you. Yeah, so in my uh, lo long experience working at different jobs, I feel like there have been different manifestations of you, Baba, uh, that I've worked for over the years. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, not all of them, but the vast majority. It's it's a little bit like that. It's a little bit, a little bit true. A little bit of truth in there. Yeah, Yubaba really strikes me, and this is a theme I noticed, uh, particularly on this viewing, is like she's sort of a caricature of like a a person who would run a bathhouse, like a boss, you know, like she's just sort of this exaggerated, like the fact that like it's just her like wrinkly head is just like the biggest part of her body, like it feels very much like if you were to like boil down like that type of person and you know, make a caricature of them, like that's what you. Yeah. She would look exactly Almost like that. Like she, yeah, like a straight-up caricature artist might draw you on, on the yeah. beach with a big head. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, she kind of reminded me of like a madam, right? Like of a yes. brothel almost. Like yes, yeah. She's like the kind of hard-drinking, hard-talking uh, madam that keeps all the everybody in line. And it sort of like that realization made me think about like, I, I don't know, I, like I've, I tried really hard with this viewing, which I don't usually do to like kind of figure out what it's trying to do, like what it's trying to say. I don't even know really if this movie is really trying to do something or say something specific because it sounds like Miyazaki just kind of makes it up as he goes along, which is totally fine. Uh, but because like the, the shit, like the chefs and sort of the like grunt employees are all just like these frogs, which I could also kind of see as like a caricature of like the men who just do that sort of like menial labor in these kinds of places. Like if you were to characterize them, they're just like little, pudgy short guys you know who just do their work and you know are just kind of gruff and smoke out windows and stuff and like the women are all like prim and proper they almost they're like russian dolls they all look like exactly the same and they're just kind of clones like the whole thing kind of seems like an exaggeration of a, of a reality which made me think about um a lot of those like theories around particularly like older cartoons like Courage the Cowardly Dog comes to mind where people think that like the, what's really happening in Courage the Cowardly Dog is you're seeing the world through a dog's eyes. So the reason they live in the middle of nowhere is because to a dog, the only house that exists is his house. And he doesn't know about all the neighbors and all the world around right. him. And Good everything point. is scary. That's why all the enemies are, you know, uh, mailmen and like mundane things. And so I started like applying that sort of logic to this movie. And like, what if this is a, a story about a girl who is orphaned, whose like parents died and she is forced to get a job, like basically taken as like a slave labor at a bathhouse and like forced to work. And like a lot of the beats kind of make sense. Like the fact that it's in this like vast ocean, you know, it could be that she can't escape. She's trapped. That's why it's like in the, there's nothing around her. She's on these big plateaus where there's just like, endlessness all around her and uh the reason why everyone around her is sort of a caricature of who they would really be uh, it was it yeah. was interesting it didn't really hold like enough weight throughout the entire film but it was an interesting way to view the movie well that childlike so perspective has to be intentional because when you are if you think back when you were a little kid everything did seem bigger right like the whole world seemed bigger and people's personalities seemed bigger so i think you're onto something but cat you had something to add so, so interesting that you brought up the Courage uh, Cowardly Dog uh, show because I was like, 
I was going to bring it up, but I was like, one, I was like, has anyone else besides Devin seen that show? And two, that show's would, awesome. and two would would like the correlation be like well understood because it I didn't like that show as a kid because it it scared me, but Love it didn't it didn't scare me in like and like it, it had pop outs or like I didn't like seeing ugly faces. It was like more scary in the sense of like it felt so eerie to me and I felt like I was had like I was experiencing existential crisis as a child. And and that's kind of the same feeling I have watching this movie where it's like it's just this eerie feeling of feeling isolated and alone and like that no one is really t- like there to take care of you and obviously feeling that way as a child watching another child having that kind of experience is just odd but um but I appreciate it for like I don't know tapping into that and like able to kind of represent that those kind of emotions and feelings like you know realistically yeah sure. I mean the thing that was always scary about Courage Carly Dog was really just the fact that nobody fucking listened to him like that's what made it terrifying is like he always knew something bad was happening and nobody around him ever knew and it was this like feeling of just like complete uh, uh hopelessness that he was ever gonna God. get anyone to listen to him but uh, the other thing also in in spirit away i was going to mention was the fact that when she first arrives and the spirits start appearing at night they're all like vague black shapes they're just like they're yeah. not defined and then like as she spends time there she like like potentially assigns them like an appearance you know and if it's if we're seeing the movie through her eyes it's like at first strangers are just like black shapes like you're not paying attention to them but then she's like forced to confront them and like give them a face very interesting stuff yeah no that's good i always with the first concept you were talking about the former concept um i i always go back to that line in titanic where she says she has this dream where she's in a room screaming at the top of her lungs and and nobody like looks up or pays attention and it does kind of have that same feeling and uh, not to digress too much into politics but i feel like that's a thing like a lot of the time where i'm just like if i pay too much attention to it i I almost get overwrought by the sense of hopelessness and then i will kind of bump up against other people and they just have no idea what i'm talking about you know those that maybe don't pay attention to that stuff it's like no no we're headed for doom. <laughs> everyone, everyone pay attention, please. So we can like take a right turn here. And uh, it just doesn't happen. So like I said, we're just going to podcast into the apocalypse. I mean, the correlation between like all three things, courage and this film and what you're talking about, Ben is like, it's all about anxiety. Like, yeah, it really is. So yeah, it's all talking in regards to that. So I think yeah. it's also just like the, I think, well, I think kids probably feel this a lot more too, but adults, it's terrifying too. It's just like an utter lack of agency. Cause I've had dreams like that too, where it's like, look, you, as you can just do this one thing and it'll solve everything. And the, and they just don't, they just, yeah, you, there's, it's perfectly clear what needs to be done. And then the person just doesn't do it, you know? Uh, oh, and yeah. I mean, it's, it's similar with kids. I mean, kids have like, they rely on everybody else for everything. Right. And that's sort yeah. of how it is in this movie with, uh, uh, Chihiro. Although I do think that like, if there is a moral to this story, it's just like, be, be nice, you know, it's just like be nice to everybody, even if they're assholes to you, you know? Uh, cause that's how, that's kind of how she wins the day is just like politeness. Yeah. And learning to, you know, 
be learning to be brave you know willing to do things for yourself like what you were hitting on there too i think but that's a theme that he hits in just about every story he tells yeah yeah. fear is definitely another like big theme that like i i again it was like a sort of logic i applied to the movie where like again if you focus on like when she first arrives and all like all the spirits are just sort of like ghost shapes that's when she's like most afraid and like you know doesn't want to like recognize her surroundings as as what they are and like slowly as she becomes as she becomes less fearful the things around her become less scary there are like less terrifying things around her as she becomes less afraid yes Um, she gains confidence the more she accomplishes the more she believes she can accomplish yeah and like at the like climax of the movie which is i think actually about the halfway point ben as you you always point that out is when she confronts snow face and like in that instance she's just like absolutely fearless i think i think it's a little i think it's a little after the midpoint i think the midpoint is when no face goes on his like tirade and starts eating people Mm -hmm. that's more the the midway Mm -hmm. but a little after that her like her ultimate accomplishment is she just is like completely stone-faced in that moment she's not afraid at all and and no face at his like big and bloated is like the scariest shit in that movie and she's just yeah and she's just absolutely not afraid yeah Yeah. no she is and i remember that shot specifically this time when i captured that i'll play it now and then i want to go back to jim because we've been talking jim's been listening and kind of i think maybe digesting and i want to hear any thoughts he has on it but i'll play the note i'll play two clips I'll give Jim time to uh, to think about this. Uh, I'm going to play two no-face clips. Uh, one when he's first arriving because it's fun, and we hear the... I, I want to say it's the guy from Cheers that does the voice. Uh, you'll hear it in the song. Um, and then we'll play the no-face clip where Sen uh, overcomes. Uh, and God, Miyazaki always has to be a little different. It's not right at the midpoint, but oh well. We'll forgive him. Okay, so here's a couple of no-face clips for you. Welcome to Rich Man, he's hard for you to miss. His butt keeps getting bigger, so there's plenty there to kiss. <laughs> oh, everybody bow down. Welcome, Rich Man. Big four tips, this is the time. Big four tips, make yourselves a dime. Give me some gold. Give me some tips, please, sir. Hey, what are you doing? Going upstairs. No, you're not. Huh? Ah! Blood! Get out of the way! Our guest is coming through here! Thank you for helping me earlier. Don't talk to him, you stinking you! Whoa! Hey! imagining that that Miyazaki's like coming up with this movie day by day and like imagining the day when they call in the voice actor and they're like all right so today in the booth you're just gonna go eh, eh, like 10 <laughs> times he's probably like what the fuck get that eh, money <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't yeah, gonna right. pay eh. 
And uh, you're right, John Ratzenberg, uh, Cliff on Cheers, is the voice of the assistant manager, as he's called in the credits. Okay, yeah. Cliff, the main, main Cliff, the mailman on Cheers? Is that, is that uh, right? I'm not sure. I don't know Cheers very well, but he's I one of the main guests. <laughs> yeah, I love the theme song, though. It's maybe one of the best uh, television intro songs. Um, I even remember as a kid, I would watch that and be like, yep, the show's on. I'm done. That theme song was great, though. Um, yeah, so he's always in Pixar movies and stuff, so I'm not surprised Disney got him in here to do something. He's so that, Ham that and Toy Story. Uh, yeah, Ham and Toy Story. He's one of the trucks. He's, I think he's in almost, if not every single Pixar film. He's one of the voices. Um, so, yeah, and I remember him expressing gratitude for to them. Uh, so he must be a nice guy to work with or something. Otherwise, they wouldn't hire him back because Pixar's they they tend to hire people that work well with others. That's kind of their philosophy. They want everyone to be like kind of a family and uh, interact with each other. In fact, the place is designed so that everyone in every department and every level uh, are forced to interact with one another during the day. So they kind of all know each other. Um, so, yeah, he, he seems to be the type of guy you'd want to go get a beer with at Cheers at the bar or whatever for realsies. So that was neat. Um, Devin, could you look up if there's, and you may already know this, if there's like a Studio Ghibli like theme park or something like that? Because it feels like this would translate, like all these movies would translate so well into that. And I'll play one more clip and then I'm, I'm curious where Jim's at with this film. Uh, this is, uh, I called that first clip No Face because that kind of introduces him in a big way. And then uh, this one's Stalker Face. Try this. It's delicious. Want some gold? I'm not giving it to anybody else. Come closer, Sin. What would you like? Just name it. I would like to leave, sir. I have someplace I need to go to right away, please. You should go back to where you came from. You Baba doesn't want you in the bathhouse any longer. Where is your home? Don't you have any friends or family? No. No. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. What is it that you want? I want Sen. I want Sen. Take the gold. Take it. Are you going to eat me? Take it. Yeah. Ooh. Huh? Uh. Ow. Uh. If you want to eat me, eat this first. I was saving this for my parents, but I think you'd better have it. The sound is just so rich. My <laughs> goodness. Um, yeah, and uh, I feel like I would benefit from like, I feel like I'm missing something with no face and what he represents and stuff. Um, because he's such an interesting character. I just, I bet that if I Googled it and looked it up, I could find some interesting theories about him. But Jim, you've had some time to think and process a little bit. I'm curious if any of this has given you any further insight or opinions or anything that you want to express. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, a little bit, uh, first, um, U Ubaba, uh, the name of the witch. Uh, it's it, and and it's it's kind of a loose thing, but it reminds me of Bob, kind of Baba Yaga, 
like when they're in the building uh, and Pepe had mentioned it and the proportions of the building and then they're in a room. How does that match up? And it's a little bit of a maze. I don't know much about the legend of Baba Yaga other than the exposure to Dungeons and Dragons. But that's one of the things is the inside of of uh, Baba Yaga's hut does not match the outside. Um, uh, but I feel like the main story is obviously it's about the girl. And a lot of us have hit on it where looking at it through her eyes. Um, just like courage, you know, the cowardly dog, Devin had mentioned, what would what would the world be like if you seen it through the dog's eyes, right? So as far as the girl, uh, it's very much kind of an Alice in Wonderland um, where she's going through all of these different trials and these magical things are happening. Um, and I could definitely see that as a, as a, a, a child, Things seem larger than life, right? So if you wanted to use like that as a symbolic sense, that whatever current situation you're in or dilemma you're facing, that seems like the world. And um, luckily for this girl, she found a friend in um, what was the uh, the boy oh, that was helping her out. That was Haku. actually a dragon. Haku. And uh, we had mentioned it a little bit like lust. I don't think that's a lust type of thing. That's a platonic friendship that a child forms with another. And then that other child becomes like your best bud. You know, it's you against the world. And in fact, he defied a lot of um, a lot of where he was in that world to help her. But she does likewise, right? She gives up certain things to help him when he's either dying or bleeding something's going on yeah and, even uh, even the thing that's supposed to bring her parents back and break that spell she gives yes. them half of it and gives the other half the no face so selflessness. yeah, I, yeah definitely selflessness but i feel like she is undergoing i feel like this is the first time she's really been separated from her parents and she's undergoing a crisis. I mean, there's several times that she cries and, you know, rightfully so, right? Cries and pines for her parents, you know, the loss of her parents. She grieves that very much, which we know in the symbolic sense, they're not really lost. They've just been transformed. They're lost to her for the time being while she's going through this spiritual world. But in so doing, she finds throughout i mean she finds the mate in haku but she finds this type of resilience you know and she's better able to meet the challenges that are kind of uh, surrounding ubaba right they're all like kind of things that really she's introducing or they're minions of hers or they just happen to be in her her um her house or <clears throat> or whatever and that's as much as i got um, I don't no, I think good. it I think it can be deep. Um, this movie can be deep as far as pointing to certain things, but I don't think it's it's clear, right? Um yeah. because there's yeah. so much in there. There's um, no spoon feeding happening here. Yeah, which is a great thing. And it's another way for a 
a movie or an animation to be universally accepted when it has so much there that you insert some of your own cultural assumptions. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And like in like Sen or Chihiro, the audience can sort of feel like you're thrown in the mix to sort of sink or swim into this, you know, very busy and chaotic new realm, you know, where you just sure. have to kind of fight your way through it as a, as a viewer. So yeah. well, one of the, yep. one of the interesting things about this movie is that Chihiro, not only does she like win everyone in the movie over, she also kind of wins us over. Cause I don't know if you guys had this oh. experience, but like, all three of those people at the beginning of this movie are not likable. I don't like the mom. I don't yes. like the dad. Yes. And and she is kind of a whiny little kid. And I wouldn't want to spend time with any it's of them. It's kind of an unhealthy dynamic they have. Like if the parents aren't yeah. turn into pigs, there's no way. They kind of like being, doing all the things for Sen, you know, and wouldn't really give her that freedom to experience things without them kind of being like taken care of in the first act. Well, they're also just so dismissive of her and like won't listen to her and just sort of like, oh, whatever, shut up, come on, yeah, we're going. Yeah, so she never know. learns to value her own opinion mm -hmm. or never feels like she is heard, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that if this was a Western movie, the 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 parents would somehow undergo a like ideological transformation to go along with their physical transformation but in this movie like at the end of the movie they're exactly the same like they don't develop at all they're they're just being dicks to her again like as soon as they like are back in the movie um where it's like some, one of those things that just kind of sets it apart like it's not about the parents like they don't they don't care sure. about that resolution it's just about your hero and her change um which is much more stark uh, yeah, but yeah, the parents like just they they they're basically just taken out of the movie for like the the whole most of it. You know, they're oh, yeah. there at the beginning and they're at the end. They just bookend it. Much I hope like the this Wizard never gets like a Western remake. Oh, it, would be, it would be <laughs> terrible. It'll be a Netflix live yeah. action remake. Come on. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen either. We'll see how that comes out with Bebop and uh, this month. Um, but I wanted, uh, to, I wanted to no, update ahead, you, Ben. So yeah, I think yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I think we know when we're going to take our trip to Japan, me and you, okay. because the Studio Ghibli Park opens in fall of 2022. Uh, it's coming oh, about wow. a year away. So it's. I thought I remembered something. Yeah, that yeah. would be really I'm, cool. Uh, I'm looking at a map right now. It's a proposed. It's like an art artistic rendition of it. But uh, the center, the very like core of it, is Howl's Castle. Cool. Um, and then uh, behind that, there's the Castle in the Sky. To the right is Totoro's Forest and the Spirited Away Bathhouse. Um, then there's like sort of a tide pool, like Ponyo area. There's actually an island. I don't know how like overly ambitious this map is. There's a whole separate island that you have to like take a boat to. That's Kiki's like villa. It's like oh, Kiki's little cool. like uh, uh, seaside town. Um, and oh, there's like a big town. airship, obviously, <laughs> there for some reason. It like totally doesn't match everything else. Um, and then there's a tram that goes around the entire circumference of the park, which is like circular. And it's the cat. Bus. cat? Yes. Bus yes tram. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm going to go there and uh, eat myself to death. Uh, and yeah, there's like five the spirit world and haunt the park. <laughs> there's like five more areas that I don't recognize because I haven't seen all the movies, but I'm sure oh, you know. Okay, Earthsea, Princess Mononoke. I'm sure they're all represented. Yeah, Earthsea. I I, I read the Earthsea novels, but they didn't do a great job of translating the, those, and they jumped into like book three or four or something, which is weird. It, it looks like that. It looks like the food court too is the Spirited Away like village. Like that's the food court. It, oh that's, wow, that's great. very cool. Okay. 
Well, uh, if the podcast really takes off, we should all like book a trip there and uh, yeah, and right. there we go. Just tour it. How does that sound? Cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. So or we could, uh, or we go, we go film, we go film a dead person in that forest, like that other asshole did. Oh dear uh, God, that geez. guy. Yeah. God, what? what an idiot. What was his name? I don't know. Logan Logan Paul. Paul. Yeah, Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Logan yeah. Paul went to Our this forest in Japan. Yay! Yeah, what a wow. coming down around around our ears. Wonderful. Um, so, unless anyone has anything else urgent they want to add, I want to spend a little time at the end here talking about the concept of Ma, which I may have briefly mentioned in a previous podcast, but now it's really time to kind of dig our teeth into it because it really comes up in this. Um, Is that like an Italian person's mother? Like Ma, Ma. Hey, yeah, Ma. now it's a it's a word. I think it's actually an actual word, but it. Uh, well, let me read through it because the translation's in here somewhere. I don't want to dive around and try to find it. Uh, the concept of Ma, represented in this film by the two minute long sequence of the main character Shiro's journey to the witch Zaniba's cottage, as she seeks forgiveness on behalf of the wounded Haku. Within this sequence, there's no dialogue, and nearly no character movement. And yet, it is possibly the most profound and enlightening two minutes that the film has to offer. Um, so a bit of an explanation. The rift left by the lack of action in the scene is filled with these questions as we wonder, who are these passengers? Are they dead? Uh, if they are, where are they going? The train uh, has not only regressed to a single direction. Is it a recent occurrence that the dead cannot return to life? What changed? Uh, as we go past the stops that precede your heroes and glimpse, land, glimpse landmarks throughout the window, uh, we wonder what character occupies these locations and what lives do they lead. And so uh, in the Western culture, if the film were to cut from a shot of Chihiro entering the train to her exiting at Zaniba's cottage, uh, the spirit world in our minds would be limited to these two locations. But instead, we are encouraged to see an expansive world that exists outside of Chihiro's individual narrative. And we ponder the passengers' existences and the stops they get off at. We wonder where the train goes after Chihiro gets off. Uh, and this space between moments, Miyazaki describes as ma. Here's the translation. It's a Japanese word roughly translating to emptiness or negative space. Miyazaki stresses the importance of silence surrounding noises as if you have nonstop action with no breathing space at all, it's just busyness. But if you take a moment then the tension building in the film can grow into a wider dimension. Uh, and then he uh, it, fought, it uh, resolves here, the space allows for this world of spirited away to prevail outside of Jihiro's narrative, which he kind of said before. And it is in this that the importance of Ma can truly be felt. This space develops a story in which the setting does not simply accommodate action, but it finds its own existence spanning beyond the protagonist's will. So how'd that sit with you guys? And can you think of moments of Ma maybe in other films or anything like that? Not to put you on the spot, but if you have some, shout them out. But uh, how does that concept sit with you overall? I mean, yeah, this I think that's a big part of this sort of intangible thing that me and you are talking about, Ben, this this like yeah. feeling we get from these Studio Ghibli movies. And I think that, yeah, like basically all of Studio Ghibli movie, like does this in every movie. Is um, it pronounced Ghibli? Have I been pronouncing it wrong? I, I don't really know. I, I've always said Ghibli, but it could be a thing that yeah, I just read okay. it a lot. And, yeah, yeah, Ghibli, I, Ghibli, I've heard whatever. both. Yeah, it's like gift shift. Uh, yeah, but, right, right, right. 
Um, uh, yeah, like Howl's, I think Howl's Moving Castle does this a couple times. There's a lot of silence in that movie. There's not a lot of dialogue. Uh, and uh, it's just life happening. And, and letting that in definitely grounds it, makes it feel more real, right? Yeah. And we don't and I th- get that in Western movies that much. No, at all. Like, can you imagine a moment of silence in a Marvel movie? Like, it doesn't fucking happen. Like, there's just noise from beginning to end. There's, they never give a breathing room. No, and there uh, is yeah. pushback for that that is grounded in money, of course. That every moment on screen is absolutely precious. This is the Western philosophy, right? It's expensive, right? So movies may be able to slip in a few moments of Ma if they're aware of it, but overwhelmingly the majority will not be able to indulge in a two minute long sequence uh, devoted to realizing that concept. You're just not going to get a long train sequence like that. So you have to go to uh, Studio Ghibli or, you know, Japan or somewhere else that, that really indulges in these other things to get that kind of flavor of entertainment experience. So I really or, can't think of a Western movie that, that really does that. Or even um, older movies, although they don't, uh, it, yeah, you it's more, it's more character study rather than. So first of all, when you, when you read that description of what mall is, that, de- that mm-hmm. definitely sounds like both a cult- cultural and a, philosophical point right Mm -hmm. that those in the east possess more due to the you know shintoism buddhism um taoism you you know which are uh very much incorporate the you know philosophies of the mind stillness of the soul in varying degrees right and i I know i'm oversimplifying that no no it's actually well summarized and so art is Art is also a reflection of who the artist is, but also, uh, especially in this form, film form of the society. And so having that stillness, you know, like a still pond kind of moment, that tranquility, that that peace that gives you uh, that gives the audience time to reflect on the deeper lessons. And so it. It's a different experience than the Western view, which is let's make this movie a roller coaster ride, right? So there's no time to think, just buckle in and you'll get there in the end and you'll have an amazing time. I don't yeah. know if one's necessarily better than the, uh, well, my personal opinion is I like older movies for the sense of showing all of those little ticks and all of those characterizations le- le- lends to a depth of uh, to the experience if if you see it and you want to appreciate it right and they are something that most modern movies uh they don't do anymore because Mm -hmm. just like you said time is money and they want those explode they want all those explosions all those car chases all the gun shooting whatever right um the equivalent of in the movie um, at least with this, with, you know, the the Eastern movies, Japanese movies, and I think even like Korean movies, because mm-hmm. I can remember some quiet moments in um, Squid Game. Oh, and that okay. was, you, you Kat, know, do you concur. Do you, did you see any Ma moments in there? Um, yeah. 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 OK. I do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Continue, Jim. Sorry. Uh, that that was basically it. Um, I think oh, okay. if I say, say any more, I'd just be rambling and saying the same things over. 
No, no, that's okay. It's almost like a character mall. And you know, it might there might be some kind of correlation here between the amount of money that movies cost to produce these days because even accounting for inflation, movies were cheaper to make, uh, especially in like the uh 60s and 70s with the new wave mm. and, and French new wave and stuff like that. Um it yeah. was the first time when like the really low budget movies kind of uh came into their own artistically, right? And so yeah. throughout the 70s, you get those character thing, you know, like Taxi Driver and stuff where they, it was almost exactly. like a character ma, you know, that yes. would be our Western version of that. But yeah, as it's like, as it becomes like a million dollars a minute, um, yeah, you really slowing down, you try to pitch that to the suits, you know, that's not going to happen. But if you yeah. already have that culturally imbued, uh, you know, and you're making a movie in the East, uh, it's probably a little easier sell. Yeah, I, I think that the, I mean, the closest thing we get in the West is like an establishing shot. And, you know, that sometimes can go on a little mm -hmm. bit long. And what it sounds like Ma is, is, is just an expansion of the establishing shots. You're, you're establishing more than just the setting of the, the scene. You're establishing yeah. potentially the characters and, you know, something about the world. And so it's just, taking the idea of an establishing shot and then pulling it in both directions and yeah, establishing peppering more it out, peppering it yeah. throughout instead of being bookended maybe you know yeah as a concept and then expand it as you were saying or stretching it out yeah i think it really does something that we just don't get here and i have to go to those movies to get it and it's an important yeah. thing it's kind of a tonic in a way yeah you know? even you know, even I'm i'm thinking of like one of the more bloodthirsty gangster films uh, which is Scarface. I thought of those too. Yeah, like which is spoilers and even westerns would be. Yeah, something. yeah, mm -hmm. which is uh, Scarface is the one that I come comes to mind, and that was I believe Brian De Palma directed that, and there was some explosive yes, action sequences in that movie, but the movie was about Scarface as a character study, right? Or or yeah. the climb climb of evil, yeah. and there were there were several moments of stillness yeah where you just get al pacino's movements yeah. or he's sitting in that gold back throne you know when he reaches the top oh yeah spoiler um but that can be <laughs> that can be Say hello to my little friend that can be maul so i think maul can also be a stillness but of that whatever that world that the director has created so that you can get a deeper sense so in yeah, scar letting that moment live right yeah letting that moment live and getting a deeper appreciation of what is going on um yeah, I or also of the character go ahead jim no 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 of yeah, the characters yeah. that's all i want to say oh okay yeah i thought you were done um, yeah, I also thought of The Godfather while you were saying that, which, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Scarface came out in like 1980, but I think it was still filmed in like 79. So it's still like, even mm -hmm. if it was filmed in 80, it was still a child of the 70s filmmaking and maybe one of the yes. end caps for it. But The Godfather, which was earlier 70s and then later 70s uh, for part two, had those moments as well. They had, they definitely had those moments. The yep. wedding, um, you know, for one, uh, where it just kind of like let that world live. Um, I'm, I'm, I had another moment in mind, but it just yeah, kind of no, when Sonny, when, when Sonny gets shot and this could be an incorrect memory, or when Michael's about to shoot the captain in the bathroom, that's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. Of. You get that time, that time, that kind of elongated 
What I remember of Sonny getting shot is he sees a yeah. toll booth. He realizes yep. he's getting ambushed and it's all just quiet and it just kind of slowly yep. and then and then and then it goes to the boom when they just shoot him up. Yeah, and and not only do you get that sense of character and place, you that contrast is really impactful as well. And mm-hmm. he uses yep. that or uh later on. Was it later on? I think it was, yeah, it was after that that Michael sh- shoots the police captain. And um I remember the first time I saw that and it was way, it was in high school. I caught it on TV, got pulled into it. And that moment when he's like in the bathroom and has to retrieve the pistol behind the toilet. Yes. And yes. he's just like listening to the train go by and uh, listening yep. to the banter in the restaurant and like kind of finding his moment to come out there and commit murder, you know, and, and cross that threshold. It still That's gives right. me chills. I'm, I get chills right That's now right. Just thinking about it. And so, uh, yeah, it's a concept that we would do well to imbue, even if we can slip it past the suits here and there. Um, and it's kind of uh, food for the soul in that sense. Independent uh, movie. Makes for better filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, well, that was fun to discuss that. Uh, any closing thoughts anyone wants to add before we uh, tally our grades and take a little short commercial break? I just wanted to ask one last question yeah, because yeah. I'm not right very familiar. I'm not very familiar with anime, right? And I and I think that's that is definitely important to the enjoyment of mm-hmm. anime itself, right? How how much have you actually, uh, you know, seen? So and I and I I have to think that some of our audience members would be in the same boat. So is there or? Uh, what you guys think would be i don't know beginner beginners anime just to kind of get somebody warmed oh, up on the question. on the genre because i've never seen anything out there <clears throat> first i'll say this that if you are a little more familiar with anime at least like the greatest hits maybe uh and i don't know if i have a beginner one to recommend other than i the ones i go to are my favorites from the 90s like cowboy bebop akira Cowboy Bebop, excuse me, Akira, um, Kenshin. Um, I also lately I've been more into the like the lighter, like just stuff that has to do with the high school or something and coming of age and stuff, mm-hmm. kind of like this without the fantasy elements. I really like that stuff, the cultural stuff. But if you are more versed in that, I think you probably would get more out of this type of movie, is my uh, mm-hmm. lengthy point I'm making here. Uh, however, I do think that if you just jump in and check it out, you will get a lot out of it as well. At least I hope so. Um, but does anyone else want to just kind of throw out their stuff? I feel like Pepe and Devin may have more to add here. And Kat, I don't know how much anime you've watched or not, but feel free to throw throw out some some names, some titles. I mean, it's a good question because I was just thinking about watching this movie. I was like, this movie, even though, you know, um, I watched it as a child, it's, it obviously came out a few, I mean, uh, a bit ago um really like the animation years. yeah the animation really holds well like it really like if if this was a movie that came out like now i would be like i wouldn't i wouldn't even think about whether or not the animation looks outdated um so i think it's a hard question to answer like as far as like what would get you as a beginner in anime like what would be a good introduction to that because I don't know, and, and this is partially because I don't watch that much anime. I can't, I definitely can't answer it. But um, 
I don't know what would be something that would be kind of like an easy way to get into it. That's not too much. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I would say is I would pick a, cause anime has different genres too. It's not just one thing. Mm -hmm. Pick a genre that appeals to you, you know? Uh, and there's, there is now more, it's, it's more approachable now because if you go into any streaming service, they've probably, and if you don't like reading subtitles, they've probably dubbed some stuff and it's probably been vetted. You know, they have their anime sommeliers that, um, <laughs> pick and choose stuff you would like. So I'd just say pick a genre, pick something that's highly rated. Um, and I go by if I like and find the art style appealing. If you don't mm. find the art style appealing, probably it could be the best story ever, but it turns me off in a way that I just can't get over it. So the first thing I look for is do I like the art style? Because there's a lot of different art styles. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But I've talked I've, enough. Go I totally agree with that, that I, I think visually you have to be attracted to an anime to really like get into it. Um, I think honestly, Studio Ghibli is probably the best place to start. In yeah, terms of right. I think like you're right. It's the, I mean, it's the best of the best out there. Like nobody's it doing is. it as good as they they have. Um, and the reason the animation holds up so well is because it's all you know, it's all hand drawn. Obviously, like it's it's never going to age because it's it's like pure art. Um, whereas, you know, like I went back and watched the original Analog. Toy Story yeah, I watched the original Toy Story recently, which is a movie I hold near and dear to my heart and loved as a kid, but it's kind of hard to watch now. <laughs> like the, that uh, 3D animation yeah. is aging pretty poorly. Um, and I almost this, wouldn't this mind stuff never does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, but hate, I, I hate when they use 3D and, and put the 2D like style over it and try to sell you that it's 2D when it's not. That really mm -hmm. bothers me. That, that well, me there off. were there were even se sequences in this where they did 3D animation, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I even yeah. like uh, I turned to my sister when we were watching this, and I I asked her kind of joking that I was like, "How how much do you think Miyazaki hates these like 3D sequences?" Does, by the way, I'm sure he i i I, I, I can't even imagine how they talked him into doing them. Um, because and <laughs> I have like. A story when they yeah i mean like and it reminded me because you were talking about those scenes on the train and, and a fair amount of those scenes of like landscapes passing by are computer animated and they just don't look very good i mean and it's not just a product of it being tw almost 20 more, years old you know they were trying to do more of that compositing back then and maybe the compositing has even has gotten better but they have sh they have turned away from that and gone back to a more pure if you're in a 2d world you basically only certain tricks we've learned the rules you know because this is yeah. the this is the that was during the time of the 3d revolution right and so a lot of the stuff back then suffers because we were still figuring out what the rules were you know and and what tools work and what shots will work and what don't and i think we over relied on it back then and because it was cheaper too um yeah but i still don't like when they put them together like that I also wanted to mention just as as someone who like I don't watch a ton of anime honestly I'm pretty discerning with what I do watch and I know a lot of people who are the same way who like they've only seen a couple like choice animes and of those the ones I hear the most the ones I've watched and the ones I hear a lot from people who are like okay. not anime fans but have seen these animes um Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood I feel like every, like everyone on earth has seen that show almost um there are two versions there's Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood Brotherhood is the the one you probably want to watch okay good um, to know 
my hero academia is like a, a kind of a hot newer one that a lot of people are watching is like getting kind of a mass appeal both among anime fans and layman um uh there's another one that just escaped me um i'm a big fan of soul eater that's a more obscure a slightly more obscure one not not as many people are into that but i really like soul eater i think it has a really cool art style um but yeah definitely full metal alchemist brotherhood and i think my hero academia are fairly safe recommendations uh, that most people i think would enjoy and if you're looking for more of just a real world thing i would recommend i've used this as my just one more thing before uh, your lie in april was a really good coming of age story that uh will uh crush your heart if you're looking for that kind of experience which i which sometimes i do you kind of have to be in the mood for it but it's it's good to uh uh cry it out sometimes like, hug it out bitch cry it out bitch it's a, it's a good <laughs> one for that that's <laughs> Uh, so if you're looking for something like that but there's a lot of it's so there's so much out there and I, again like they have these people that are vetting these which ones because they don't want to lose money right they want to bring you good entertainment value for your uh, mm -hmm. streaming buck and so yeah you can really just like go look for that art style and go look for that genre and you'll probably you know find something that you like and then yeah through through viewing more of it and i again i don't watch a ton of it i know some people watch everything that's out there i'm not one of those people but um if i like the looks of something i'll check it out and uh, a lot of the time i am uh, rewarded for for you know taking that step so that's a good question jim thanks um so i think we probably discussed enough to calculate a, a determine a grade for uh, spirited away right yeah yeah all right well, before we do I think, that, I mean, I think oh, we should all uh, be giving it one the, more thing already. I think we should all be giving it the same grade. One of the one Whoa. of the early letters of the alphabet, <laughs> perhaps oh. even the first letter. I, I think we, uh, yeah, I think we are felt are going to fall short of that. Uh, yeah, I think so. Jim's first viewing. Uh, Jim, so sadly, mm -hmm. we we still won't reach that perfect uh, perfect GPA yet, but uh, we'll find out. But first, we have time for a little commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsors. Feeling a bit peckish after a big move into a new town? Dad only got you one stinking rose instead of a full bouquet? And you need to fill up all that emptiness inside with food? Well, we understand. And we're here to be the gluttonous shoulder for you to cry on. Let us spirit you away to our all-you-can-eat pig-out buffet, featuring exotic cuisine and comfort food alike for your gorging pleasure. Open 24-7, but if nobody's around, feel free to dine first and pay later. So long as Daddy has credit cards and cash, you won't get into trouble. Side effects include grubbing down, asking, I wonder what this is called, while already having consumed half of whatever it is. <laughs> Oinking, and transmutation that can be permanent. Consult with your spiritual guru for advice before consuming. Disclaimer, due to a national shortage, supplies of roasted newt are limited to one per guest. First come, <laughs> first served. Pig out buffet. Let's fatten you up for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Give me that, give me that new tail. 
there's like a there's like a whole online movement to try to figure out what the fuck that thing is that he like puts like the hole into his mouth that like weird it looks like a wet diaper it in there yeah it's, it's kind <laughs> it's of got like, a spongy kind of yeah and he like slams the, the whole thing it. in one bite I, like I, people online have no fucking clue what that's supposed to be it's like no, some kind that, of dumpling i guess but i don't or i have discovered what that thing is like i don't know what it is off the top of my head but it's a thing oh it's out there huh? i remember for it's a while there. at least there was like a big investigation i don't know is I remember it like a cookbook? tumblr post about it probably yeah we'll have to get the cookbook and, and i mean there it. wasn't a big investigation into just like gigantic fish head like what why only serve <laughs> the head why like the head's why not the rest of it right. yeah Got all the nutrients. Everybody likes, Main power, everybody likes food. <laughs> yeah, that's a delicacy. Fish head soup, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. Yep. That's right. And uh, well, fuck Kill me, Bill? I guess. What a, yeah. Kill Bill. I think it was Kill Bill 2. Uh, <laughs> that's how she. That's how the, the the kung fu master gets poisoned. She poisoned the fish head soup. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Anyone even soup. That? It was just a gigantic fish head. I thought they called I mean, it fish look, head soup. Yeah, it was I know just fish collars like. Where the fucking good stuff is, but man, it's a, big it's a delicacy on the that I have yet to partake and may never. So I'll just say that. Yeah, I, I'm not that much in a fish head either. Although my mother, she can eat herself some fish heads. <laughs> she loves it, you know. Yeah, my uncle was into something, uh, something a product called pickled pig's feet, which he just loved. Uh huh. And I was just like, that is yep. just something I will never try. Um, it may taste like pumpkin pie, but I won't try it, or I won't. <laughs> I'll never know. Yeah, exactly. I just botched that, but whatever. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson can write into the show then, uh, and and chastise me. Okay, so that uh, that covered the pickled pig's feet. A very important topic there. Um, it's time for final grades. I would give this an A plus, but this is college grading system, so I'm just gonna give it an A and leave it at that. I think I went on long enough, so you're well versed in in my uh, opinion of uh, Spirited Away. Uh, but Kat, what are you what are you gonna give Spirited Away? I'm gonna give it an A minus. I think my only thing is is it is kind of the plot, as Jim uh, mentioned, and also like it it does kind of. Um, it takes a bit to get into the world and adjust to it. And mm-hmm. I just kind of walk away with it being like, this is kind of a weird movie. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, because of those reasons, I, it can't be an A sure. or A plus, but it's definitely a really great movie nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen this movie so many times that it's part of the, the tapestry of my life in a, in a way where I could not uh, fault it at this point. Um, so, but I accept that. Yeah, sure. Uh, Devin, uh, this is going to be what a, a total F for you, or what? Oh yeah, of course. No, I, I do fault it, Cat. You're so wrong. You just, you're just, your subjective opinion is wrong, Cat. Um, your subjective opinion, her subjective opinion is wrong. <laughs> if this is not the perfect, like the perfect A movie, it, that we will never have a perfect A movie on this podcast. Oh, like that is that is established. Way? No, it was an A. It wasn't a four It wasn't a all A's. Um, Mm-hmm. um but uh yeah like i'll I'll never go give out another a again after this this is my golden a 
and it'll okay. stand and it'll stand in shrines. For, no, okay, that's not true. But, no, unlike my uh, A, your A actually means something. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean this this is no stranger than fiction. I mean, wouldn't this oh, movie no. have been made better no. with some right. fucking Will Ferrell staring right. doing a bunch of stupid shit in it? Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but. Yeah, I can't imagine a, a, anything being improved about this film. It's absolutely an A. I, I was even talking to a friend of ours saying that I could watch this movie on mute and still have an incredible time just like looking at it, you know? It, was that it's, or just me? listening. You, you can say it was me. Well, it was Fegan out technically because he was saying that he didn't like the like characters. And I was like, it, it doesn't even matter. You don't have to like really? characters. It's a, it's a beautiful movie. I know his know. art style and I've seen sketchbooks from him dating back to when he was 17 or even younger. And man, his art style is weird. So I don't. He likes uh, caricatures typically. I don't I don't understand what is now I have to no, ask. He's wrong about a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Confidently <Yeah>. so. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, yeah. Hey. Oh anyway. <laughs> All right, Pepe, what do you grade uh, spirited away? Uh it's gonna be an A for me, dog. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think um objectively right. <laughs> I think this is probably the uh, saying this in a non-hyperbolic way, this is probably the best animated movie ever made. I haven't seen them all, obviously, and there's some good ones out there, but this is probably the top of the heap. Um, but again, if you just kind of jump in with both feet, you know, on on your first viewing, you might not have that experience because I certainly didn't. This is a taste that I acquired. Mm -hmm. Um Mm -hmm. But Studio Ghibli uh, can almost do no wrong. Um, they're not quite Kubrick, but uh, they can almost do no wrong. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and this movie, it's 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 more than the sum of its parts because it does. It's not perfect in the sense of like if you changed anything about it, it would make it worse. I think you probably could do that. And to be honest, I think. Miyazaki's a lot of Miyazaki's movies would be would be well helped by a good editor. Um, uh, so I don't think it is a perfect movie, but I think it is, like I said, more than the sum of its parts, and it's probably the best animated movie ever made. Yeah, and it won the category that year, but I think you submit this almost any year, and it would take the award again. Yeah, I I have to agree. I mean, I think some of the Pixar, some of the stuff that comes out of Pixar would obviously put up a good fight. Some of mm -hmm. Disney's early stuff, you know, would would put up a fight. But I think at the end of the day, this is going to take it so home. So unique, yeah. and yeah, we can keep we can have almost two shows about it. Um, and the conversation was very rich too. But um, I'm very curious since this is Jim's first viewing, where he landed on this. <clears throat> so. Um... I had I, I had said before that I was trying to piece it out at the same time as enjoying the movie. Um, the visuals were definitely stunning. Uh, yeah. The tapestry of colors. You know, I love color. And um, seeing all of that, I really liked the protagonist. Um, you know, and I could feel for her when she was going through, you know, the challenge of navigating this this spirit world by herself you know, with only a few companions. Um, the story at the same time, it was, it was definitely a little convoluted. Um, and, and I think that I can understand when you guys told me 
that you know some of the movies that we've watched in the past i don't have the same nostalgia so i'm looking at it through this lens and i definitely feel that that i definitely feel on the other side of that curtain now because i don't have the nostalgia for this movie you know no this and is that's a, good i'm glad because that represents a better like you know viewing audience as far as like uh you know like a sample group or something so it's a good thing he, yeah, and I think what can grow to the love of a film, like those few rare films or anime, um, in this case, that you hold close to your heart, I think it's as much it, it, it is much to do with the emotionality of them. It, it it has much to do with the emotionality of the times that surrounded your life in viewing these movies, as it does with the movie itself. Like the movie has to be good for sure. But there's a lot of good movies. How come not them? Right. So I think some yeah, of it has yeah. to do with that. And I can definitely quote like, you know, the fond memories I had of Willow. In fact, you know, during that podcast we did. I don't have that same uh, affectation towards this movie, you, you know, that you guys do. I can see where it's entertaining. I can see where it's an anime uh, piece of art in a lot of places. But I don't have that same, I don't, you know, that that that, that endearment um, towards it. So, in in all okay, of that, well, I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. So that no, that said, uh, let I want to encourage you to give us your absolute honest grade because I'm very curious then where that where it lies for you then considering. Yeah. That. So I'm gonna give it a B. Is my oh, final okay. grade? Okay. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. Yeah, okay. And if you uh, continue to watch more and check it out again, I'd be curious to hear if your opinion uh, evolves on it or not. Sure, and it's not to be contrary. I've seen the look on Devin's face. Jim's, Jim's, <laughs> like, the, Jim's like the Russian figure skating judge at the Olympics when he's not judging a Russian. <laughs> Wait, not judging a Russian. That's yeah, the important yeah. key element there. Yeah. Was it Russian enough, you know? Not for my enough vodka. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine, Jim. Your opinion's your opinion, and you're dead to me, and that's fine. It's okay. No, I, I, dude, you, I'm cool you, with you guys have showed me movies that I never would have saw on my own that I dearly love. I mean, Malcolm and Marie, you know, Cat. You showed me that movie. I was like, oh my god, because I I I I love black cinema, and that even though they said in that movie it's not, you know, they made that meta comment it, it is it is black cinema and and i appreciate and i never would have saw that on my own and i can keep Me going Ro roma there's a, you you, you, you know cat movie you guys have suggested movie, movies to me. I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate it. November. This is not as much as you did, but I <laughs> but I got something out of it. Uh, the movie with um, oh gosh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, oh, enemy. Oh man, yeah, enemy. was that yeah, so that good? And I never would have watched it on my own. So I want to thank me you guys. Too. And I'm stating all of that to say I I I I try to be as open-minded as I can, right? To even though I wouldn't watch it on my own, I, I'm gonna enjoy this movie because you guys enjoy it, right? But at the same time, I I gotta be fair to my final evaluation too. So. Yep, I asked that of everyone to give us your honest opinion, <clears throat> um, because otherwise, what are we here for? Um, if we do, and, uh, if we do, uh, the rest of us uh, harbor a little resentment 
Go ahead. <laughs> I was, yeah. was going to say, if we ever decide to do like a review season where we go back and rewatch, I think this might be a good mm, one to put that on there. Theme. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Throw, submit that for a yeah. theme, actually. Yeah. And I, I wanted to say to Kat, uh, real quick, Kat, um, yeah, some of your movies have been some of the most popular uh, downloads, in, including Black Swan has dominated in the last few nice. weeks and has more downloads oh, that's such by a good far movie. than any yeah. other uh, move, uh, movie we've done in this series and the previous one because it judges by the past 30 days or something. So it's just it's absolutely dominating as far as uh, people checking it out. And I was like, well, what does this have to do with Halloween? And I even made a joke in the beginning of the episode <laughs> if you listen to it, but um, which I was just, it was just a joke, really, but because uh, it was such an excellent film. Um, but yeah, it's been very it's so popular, good. So well done. Well, good to hear. I actually haven't heard the podcast for that episode mm. yet. So um, well, chalk another download to up then, to, be, to be forthcoming. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, we were really sore that you weren't there. I mean, there's so many diff- there's so many things going on in that movie. Yes. It would be great to have had you. Yes, yeah, but we also appreciated the Cat's that. Corner stuff. That yeah, was really definitely. Helpful, and the questions you raised uh, were good prompts. The conversation starters had, always, had been good, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's been a good series. Um, and we have missed Cat, um, but it's nice to have her there kind of bookending in the beginning and now. Um, but we have had some pretty great conversations and, uh, the show's, uh, coming along nicely, I think. Definitely. Um, that's, uh, oh, Kat, did you have something else to add? Oh, just, I would love to do an animation, um, season. If we, we do. don't have that, yeah. we, we need to submit that. It's on there. Both Eastern and there. Western animation are separate categories okay. on here. We'll definitely put the um, re-review or whatever, uh, yeah, category. Yeah. Somebody remember to do that. Take a note. Uh, okay, cool. Um, now we have a bit of business. Uh, we have to actually choose the first film for yes. Series 6. Do you want another yes. GPA of Spirit uh, Ah, Forget that. I don't want to. I'll just continue thinking it's a perfect film. We all know no, in our okay, hearts it's 4.0. I'll, I'll dial the category back. There we go. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so it is because of someone... <laughs> barely an a minus at uh, 3.74 almost a b plus which i would have walked oh, off this set if it was a b plus movie if it <laughs> was that where's that rank among the other uh, movies that puts it as at our fourth favorite movie after uh roma at number one 12 angry mm-hmm. men and uh the sounds of the lambs tied for number two mm, Blair Witch project stellar. at number or no not Blair Witch, sorry and then this at number four Blair Witch i think it's right after that okay yeah it's right up there we're they got up there. I'm not in the it's top four. For sure, this is all your guys' fault and not realizing the good the gooditude of my movies. Right. Well, well, hey, let's do the re-review category and it may uh, come back. It's just all my movies. We'll just uh, Clockwork Orange Jim, you know, force his eyes open and have it on the screen. <laughs> he can catch up. He'll be eating, sleeping, breathing it and, uh, and be immersed and uh, well-versed and we'll get that A. I get an award for having the most liked movie. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. oh do you get one? Is that what you're asking? Oh, can I? Yeah, can I? Can you? Do uh, like, yeah, well, like a shitty not? blue ribbon or something yeah, from like sure. a school participation award? <laughs> yeah, her generation loves those. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, we'll call it generation, the generation, Devin? What the heck? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm an old man. And when it's bad, it's your generation. <laughs> That's why when my son's misbehaving, he's uh, I, I tell my wife that it's you know your son has done this or that. So it's the same kind of kind of thing. It, it works I, for me. Speaking of the review season, I do think it'd be a cool idea for us to each pick our favorite movie that we've watched during this series. So it's not necessarily each picking uh, like our favorite movie that we submitted, but like the favorite one that we watched. So it couldn't, yeah. so then we maybe, can still do who done it. And like, you know, maybe the rule really cool. has to be that it wasn't one we submitted. Yeah. Yeah. There you maybe go. That's favorite, one you yeah. favorite one you have yeah. not submitted. Yeah. I think that's that, I think really cool. Something. Yeah. Let's do that and aim for like, uh, maybe like, you know, when we're approaching maybe like a season, uh, series 10 or something like that you know yeah something something like that would be good anyway um we're running long let's uh let's move along to uh rolling for the next episode yes so series six uh it's our christmas slash holiday season mashup with good bad is the theme and so who's rolling first uh, i'm ready with the generator if you want me to do it Let's just lie and say it's a real die. Of course. Um, okay. So we got a 10-sider. <laughs> um, and remind uh, me and our audience uh, what uh, how this works. Uh, so we've all randomly submitted our choices for this uh, thing. We don't know who submitted what. Um, it is effectively a virtual hat that we have all put names of films into, and we are picking uh, randomly. Right, but with the dice, it's what is it? One and two equal. Oh, one you just meant the, uh, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, okay. I'm using you a virtual five sided. I actually got a five sided die from my. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just one through five. Special, Keep special three D printed. Keep five, it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple, like our boss Charles Minor Kiss. insists. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, it's true, and it hurts my feelings every time. Uh, okay, so <laughs> here's your drum roll. Five sider coming up. Series six, movie one. Three. Oh, I can't. Three. <laughs> Lucky number three. We will be watching a movie that I'm having trouble stringing this to the holiday thing, but I'll be curious to hear when we find out whose it is. It's called Training Day, which came out in 2001, and it streams on Pluto, HBO Max, and Amazon Prime. So this movie is all over the place. Uh, it's very available. So we'll be watching Training Day um so join us for that series six that'll be a fortnight two weeks from when this uh when this one releases so uh for us in our timeline it will be you know somewhere in mid-november or something uh so right in the start of the holiday season except now the holiday season starts in october or whatever so however that works it's earlier and earlier <laughs> in <earlier>. july <laughs> yeah yeah really christmas really will start in july like next year i think i think that's official so join us for Training Day, uh, Series 6 already, Episode 1. I'm very excited to watch that and talk about it with you good people. And Kat, do you know if you'll be joining us or will you be doing another Cat's uh, Corner? How is that coming along for you? Um, so or you, you not know? I'm, yeah, I don't know for sure. But most yeah, yeah. likely Let's not. See. Yeah, most likely Cat's Corner. Devin had said as much before, so I was just kind of... A little quick check in there 
Okay, well, when you can make it, we look forward to having you, but we it's always nice to have your videos, and, and I almost have it down to where it works <laughs> between bouncing through the desktop and everything. So we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Getting better and better every time. Keep, keep it going. Okay, cool. So um, what else do we have? Let me get out of this. We are not quite done. We have what we call show business. Uh, and this week we have a little something called the Who Dundee Awards. So why don't we get to that and award our grand champion for series five. Welcome to Series 5 Whodunity Awards, where we present the winner of this series' Whodunit competition with their trophy. And now, the envelope, please. And the winner of this prestigious and beautiful Whodunity Award for the bushiest beaver is... None other than James Pepe. And I'll just hand that over to you, yeah. sir. Okay. Yep. There you go. Oh, 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 yeah, In the miracle of the internet, he got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seamless. Yep. I'd like to thank my, my beaver and my bush <laughs> for coming together. <laughs> just really making it bushy and beavery. Yep. That's Man, I couldn't have done it without you guys. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what clinched it, we'll say. <laughs> and it's uh, Pepe's first uh, statue in our, in it our is, show. Yeah. So enjoy that. I've had a bushy beaver for a long time, but this is my, the first time I've been awarded for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, sir. Well, well earned. Uh, I, did so it, we, I did it, Mom. <laughs> yeah, you did it. Yeah. She's very proud, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's going to email get, the show. That's where I get it from. That. That's where I yeah, get it from. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she does, she doesn't listen. Never, She'll never hear this. Never. <laughs> cool. Well, enjoy. <laughs> Congratulations. So that resets it, guys. Put your uh, game hats and game faces and game ties and game socks and shoes on because the score has been reset and it's time to uh, strive for the win the big win in series six so let's see if we uh can somebody can get there and just completely dominate this thing because this time uh we did have a tie and a roll off to do it and pepe was uh the lucky the lucky guy that uh ended up what was the role is somewhere in the 90s so your your theory of yeah, I was good got a 96 or something right lucky mm -hmm. bushy beaver always always in the high 90s the bushier, the luckier, as that's I always right. say. That's, that's the saying. That's the saying in the fortune cookie. Yeah, that's the uh, saying. Pick the off the hair cookie. before you eat yeah. it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pull yeah, myself up a, out of the gutter. If you get a hairy fortune cookie, you might, you might want to take a different one. It's lucky, but just don't eat it. Just, you know, maybe right, you yeah. stick it in your pocket. And you pay there. it forward. Pay it forward. Make sure you get plenty of lint on it first. Lint dipped. <laughs> yeah. I believe is the phrase. All right, it is getting late. Show announcements. Uh, you can write to ben at redhenmedia.com and we may respond on the show. 
Um, we're probably messing up enough at this point where someone can write several emails in and, and correct us. So uh, please feel free to do that or just uh, lob a bunch of compliments our way. We'll accept that as well. We will. We will. Indeed. Especially if they're directed at me. Yes. And my, and my bushy beaver. Well, you are Anyone the Anyone who wants to write in about my beaver can, can write Yeah, compliment, compliment that, please. That's all we want. <laughs> beaver all the way down. Complimentary. Uh, it's, it's free. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, my God. Oh, it's my DoorDash. Oh, good. Oh, man. Here come those soggy fries. Is that the beaver police? Just one more thing. Yeah, he knows that you killed the beaver. <laughs> From Leave It to Beaver, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Wally. Or no, Eddie. Eddie Haskell did it. Get him, Columbo. Sick him. No, it's, uh -oh. uh, it's, time for, it's time for just one more thing. That's Lieutenant Columbo interrupting to tell us we have time to, for our co-host to mention one little thing from outside the show that we want to share. And I'll kick it off with uh, some great news. Uh, I finally did score a PS5. Yay! And uh, it's been quite fun to Yay. finally get my hands on one of those. Um, I'll give props to uh, Amir's restock server on Discord. Uh, thank you, Amir, for that service. Uh, I believe Devin also used that Discord server to get his PS5, and he's the one that steered me in that direction. Is that true, Devin? Yeah, yeah, I got it early on when that wasn't so uh, busy. Now it's like by invitation only to get into the server. It's very exclusive. But uh, yeah, I was able to just waltz on in there back, you know, a year ago or so when I got mine now. Yeah, uh, I ended yeah. up having to go to some shady corner of Reddit and like going into the digital version of like a, a dark alleyway into a <laughs> shady guy with a trench coat and, uh, you know, give the password. And I finally got in there and then... Um, if you do go uh, see Amir, he will eventually help you get one of these uh, or whatever product you're looking for. It's not just PS5s, but those are the toughest to get thing. Um, be ready for disappointment at first. Uh, I was overwhelmed and bewildered by my first couple attempts. It took a six or seven good tries uh, for when these drops happened before I scored one. Um, by that point, I was salty and like, you know, uh ready for seconds uh to just like eat my own guts when this thing dropped but i finally got in there and got very lucky and i got a little more skillful at how that all works and stuff and we beat the bots and uh scored one bring home brung home a, a a win for my son and my family and uh, a loss for my wife because we're both so uh we're both so immersed <laughs> in the PlayStation. she never sees it either of us <laughs> so Amir's restock group uh, covers your consoles and your other electronics. And if you're looking for those hard to get GPUs, if you can find it, then you may be able to hire the A team of finding these uh, hard to get uh, electronics that you want for Christmas. Um, so go seek him out and he will try to help you beat the bots and the scalpers and get the item. Uh, and I'm very happy to, we're going to just uh, have to wrap this up because I got to get back to some back for blood. Uh, okay, Kat, what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? I Just One More Thing is a movie that just came out called Lamb. Um, and it's a did horror. you see it? Where did it's you see horror. it? Um, I, we rented oh, okay. it. So you can you can rent it on streaming apps. It is $20. So, hey. you know, <laughs> given I, yeah, given uh, it was split between three people, so it's still cheaper oh, than going fine. to the movies. But, um, 
but uh it's yeah it was just released rated r it's a horror fantasy and it's set in iceland so there is subtitles sorry foreign film but um i just i need you guys to watch this so we can talk about it because okay. it's just yeah it's just one of those movies you gotta I talk about i want to see it so. so bad i want to see it so bad what? i know there was a book called lamb that was popular is it an adaptation of that or is it just its own thing not that i'm aware of but maybe okay yeah, I think it, it's probably not an adaptation. Um, so it's a horror film. Is that what you said? Horror fantasy film. Horror fantasy. Okay. Lamb. Put that on your radar. Um, free Britney. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Devin, what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? Uh, well, I have a sort of spooky season thing, although I know this will be well after it's already after spooky season, but uh, it's, early it's for a pod. Next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, only 365 days till, till Halloween, uh, right. as the Nightmare Before Christmas says. Um, I want to talk about the podcast Dark Dice this week. It's a fifth edition D&D podcast that's fairly new. I think they've been running for about a year now. Uh, it's it's fairly unique among the sort of sea of Dungeons & Dragons podcasts that are out there. It has extremely good sound design and music. The production value is like through the roof. Like it, it's, it is like critical role quality for, you know, uh, uh, way less popularity, which I think it's is, is undeserved. It deserves a lot It'll more attention. There. Yeah, let's give it a shout yeah. out and help it get there. Uh, the players are like super dedicated to their characters. They basically speak exclusively in character in the podcast. Um, they also edit out a lot of uh, the like dice rolls and rules talk to like really focus on the story, um, which I appreciate a lot. They even do a thing where the, the dungeon master will go back through and re-record like narration, things that the characters would, or the players would say that their characters are doing, but the DM will go back and re-record it so he keeps that tone of the narrator throughout so like instead of a player saying i run up and swing my sword the narrator will say that the dm will say that uh obviously recorded after the fact because he's still allowing his players to say what they're doing he's just going in and re-recording that dialogue um it's it's really cool and i just found out apparently that in the second season jeff goldblum joins the cast inexplicably to, pl to play an npc yeah so like it's like just out of the blue just jeff goldblum's there so yeah once you get through the first season you have Jeff Goldblum to look forward to. That is so random and wonderful. It makes me wonder if like Bill Murray will join in the third season just to keep that <laughs> yeah. kind of like random thing going. It, it's got to be like one of the guys on the cast, just like a friend of a friend who like, you know, works for the agency that Jeff Goldblum, you know, it's, it's got to be something like that because they're not big enough to get Goldblum like a huge star. Yeah. Listen to so, it and was like, uh, yeah, who I, knows? Uh, I definitely uh, will. Yeah, he podcast. seems like the guy, kind of guy who might play D anD D on the side. You know, like he's sure. he's, a, he's an Cult interesting he's a man fellow. Of culture, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's called Dark Dice. It's on Spotify and probably everywhere else where you can get podcasts. So great, check great. it out, Dark Dice. I definitely will. Uh, cool. Well, thank you for that. Uh, what have you got for us this week, uh, James Pepe? I would like to recommend a YouTube video that I watched recently called. Okay. Is it a video uh, essay? Sort of. Well, I guess I don't know. Maybe. Okay. It's Nine a three. well. It's a. It's a the the channel is called Some More News, so it's like a news channel, um, and the video is called Why Is Conservative Comedy So Not Very Good? Um, That's and really the, reason, the title. So yeah, not very good. It, I like that. Yeah, and the they talk the sort of like ostensibly it's sort of about why conservative comedy isn't very good but it's really it's it's about 
why isn't conservative comedy good anymore? Which is an in more interesting question, I think, or an equally interesting question, I think. But it also talks about um, like Dave Chappelle's recent uh, stand-up um, special that he did, and sort of breaks down like or, or talks about um, why uh, talks about the controversy surrounding it and why um, a person like Dave Chappelle who is a funny comedian and sort of universally accepted as a skilled and funny comedian can also um, like do not so great things with comedy and how, um, but it also is about how like you still need that sort of like space to talk about uh, basically anything you want to talk about in a sort of comedic way um, and sort of like what makes certain parts of it like good or okay, you might want to say, and other parts of it not. Um, and it's uh, it's an interesting discussion. It's it's pretty, I enjoyed it because it was sort of philosophical. It sort of gets into sort of like what comedy is about and like what comedy tries to do and sort of the nitty gritty of like what goes into writing a joke. Like what makes a thing a joke and what doesn't. Did they talk um, about and, status at all and status shifts? I'm curious if they cover that because that's one of the fundamental things in acting that creates funny moments. Yeah, they do talk about it. And they talk about it Neat. because uh, Chappelle in his special talks a lot about this phrase like punching down. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, an and so they talk, about, they talk about that. Um, you want to avoid that basically if you're not an asshole. Yeah. But like who gets to say when you're punching down and when you're not is also an interesting question too, because sure. that's part of that's sort of part of Chappelle's sort of little argument that he makes is that he's not really punching down when he is making fun of trans people, but that is a open point. Like he seems to think that he's not necessarily other people yeah, seem to I think that he, that he is. Believes. But uh Well I'm not right. Gonna... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's I, understand I believe what you that mean, he but genuinely I, thinks that. Let me just say that to, to clarify. But yeah, I, it's, well, not, I, it's I, not me agreeing with it, though. I would go so far as to say that it is possible to make jokes about trans people and not be punching down. I think sure, that you can make sure. comedy about anything. but And I've said this a couple of times, that it's about the quality of it, and it's about if it's really funny or not, and things like that. I'd even go so um, far as to say some of the jokes that he makes are probably not punching down but then in my humble opinion some of them very much are yeah yeah so i guess if you're interested in um i'm probably more conservative than most of you guys are so i'm interested in why there isn't good conservative comedy because that is a real thing and it's interesting to me um and it, it was also interesting to me i've been thinking and talking a lot about Chappelle and also louis um, and just like the sort of Louis C.K. Yeah, Louis C.K. And just sort of like the the landscape of comedy nowadays. And Interesting topic. What's like okay to talk about and what's not? And it's it's a nuanced issue. And it was an interesting it yeah, was an interesting video. It's timely because a lot of comedians, I think, are also just struggling with that very thing. Um, and some of yeah. them have been canceled and lost big contracts from jokes they've made and stuff. So that like mm -hmm. whether or not it's the the what's the phrase the chickens coming home to roost or something like that right um, yeah whether or not it's that or if it's you know um just you know people clutching pearls or whatever it's an interesting topic so
Uh, just once, yeah. once again, really quick, the title of it is? Yeah, so the channel is called Some More News, and the title of the video is Why is Conservative Com Comedy So Not Very Good? Okay, I like the title. Some yeah. More News. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, that's the title of the channel, channel that he does, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool, well, thank you for that. Um, and our last, uh, just one more thing, which really is the one more thing, is Jim Scott. Yeah, I just want to say, Pepe, uh, you posted that on our on our message, yeah. uh, or I I had watched it and it was really interesting because he also talks about liberal comics. This is a natural extension, right? Yeah, he does. You almost have some, to, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he and he gives an interesting take on what comedy is, and you can make jokes about. Um, segments of the population but it's how you do them and it's the information that you're driving or the point that you're driving forward to um has as much to do with it as um the, the timing and everything else but anyways um my just one Seems more thing yeah it's worth watching um my just one more thing is uh since we're out of spooktober officially now um mm -hmm. i want to talk about my other love which is fantasy so I'm currently willing, uh, reading the Will of Time series. I'm on uh, book five. Um, and, wow. But Amazon Prime releases their first season of the Will of Time. And the first and I believe second episode are dropping on November 19th. So they, wow, poured, soon. they poured a lot of money into this uh, between Will of Time and, um, and the Lord of the Rings. I think it's a billion dollars collectively so a, a lot, lot of, of money, money. and fantasy Pocket series or the for bezos yeah and yeah <laughs> and i don't want to give him more money but this is art and fantasy series have been i would say as a general rule pretty lackluster especially adaptations yeah. of book yeah. books but we be. lit yeah, but we live in a different age uh, now. You know, Game of Thrones, with the exception of the last season, was pretty mm -hmm. damn good. Dune really hit. Um, so, yeah. it, you know, so I'm hoping that this series will as well. Me too. And let's support the artists and the genre if we love, right. you know, sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, definitely they're a tough genre to break through and get greenlit. So if we show up for these things, we'll get more of them, uh, especially yep. if they're doing a good job. And delivering i really enjoyed uh dune by the way too that was uh it's tough to adapt but uh was yeah. it, uh, what's the director's name some uh, french canadian guy or something Dennis, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah i can never it. pronounce it but yeah he's he's done some good stuff um i also enjoyed his uh sequel to uh what is it 2048 or whatever uh What's oh, the Blade Harrison Runner 20, yeah, the Blade, 2049. I watched that in 3D, actually. So that may be one that would be good for that I category. I love better. that movie. Yeah. I love I, that movie. I, I was like, I, that's I was a, that's a movie it. that has uh, that, That's a movie that has a lot of ma in it. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Especially in the, I remember absolutely. the beginning when he's wandering around investigating and stuff. But there's a lot of that, the little flower and everything. Yeah, a lot of that. And uh, I appreciated that. Yeah, and it's almost a callback to some of those old pot boil. It is a direct callback to the pot boiler type of movies that are a slow burn, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I could see where that would lend itself. And I remember thinking, watching it, like, yeah, I can see why they uh, tapped him to direct Dune when I watched that one. So very excited for the sequel to that and see where they take it um, and and uh, see if we can bring it home, if he could land it. Because yeah. the first half is all set up, right? So, uh, which was just gorgeous. So I'm very curious. And uh, yep, let's show up, watch some fantasy movies. I also have read Wheel of Time. I didn't read all of them. I probably got about as far as you're reading now. I think it was, I think I got up to like book six or seven. Um, nice. Some of the themes started feeling a little repetitive by then. And so I'm uh, hoping he broke out of that. He did, the author did, uh, is Robert Jordan? He did pass away before he finished, but I think his yes. son or some other no. author of note stepped in. Yeah, Brandon Sanderson. Uh, That's Brand, right. Brand, Brandon definitely admired him. And I have to say, it's a tall order for another author to take over the original author's oh, work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know, that's almost like the equivalent of uh, an artist half finishing a painting and another artist stepping in. You got to really know what's going on and have that, you know. Anyways, he, he did a phenomenal job from what I've heard. Cool. Yeah, and I did you read the prequel yet? I remember mentioning that before. No, which no, was also I very haven't. good. It's super good. I really enjoyed it. It's just how the I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Ace Sedai ended up uh uh ended up in that search where they find uh the dragon, basically. It, gotcha. it ends where gotcha. the first book picks up. And it's gotcha. a very cool, cool story. I think it's called That's a new interesting. spring. Yeah, a new spring. So yeah, very excited to see that one. I'm always excited to see stuff that I've read and was this big, huge, expansive world and hopefully they're adapt- doing a good job adapting it. And yeah. so whether whether or not you like Game of Thrones, the last season of Game of Thrones, I think that the bulk of the series can is was at least, at very least, a preview of what we can do and what can be accomplished yes. when it's done right. So yeah, new era is upon us, hopefully. A new spring, maybe. Cool, well, uh, let's cut Cat a break. <laughs> And Devin probably too, and uh, we'll do our uh, we'll do our goodbyes. I think I'll miss you most of all. I'm betting some of us miss our pillows and our beds most of all at this point. Um, Kat, you go first. Um, I'm Catherine Ramirez. It's been real. Catch me on Instagram at Cat Ramirez with two Z's. See y'all next time. Yeah, and thanks for uh, making the effort to to show up uh, for the end here, since you could make it. Loved having you. Uh, Mr. Devin Schwartz. I am Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz 1 on Twitter. And uh, game over, man. Game over. Game over. 25 down. We did it. So they always say the first 25 is the hardest. Or Well, I'm just saying that now, but whatever. <laughs> they'll adopt um, that. They'll, they'll they be always a say that. Phrase. That's right. They always do now. Always. Yep. Just like 1984. It always has been said. Just believe it. Double think it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) James Pepe. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've been James Pepe. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us and listening or watching. And hope to see you back uh, next week or two weeks from now. Yep. Enough Fortnite. I like saying Fortnite. Uh, I don't really like the game, though. But uh, I like like Mm. the... I think they spell it different too, but maybe I'm mistaken. But yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for a series six, episode one, guys. Uh, and our illustrious, uh, irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. 
Yeah, thank you for uh, listening and uh, farewell and take care, general listeners and friends. Indeed. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And be sure to watch Training Day 2001, now streaming on Pluto TV, HBO Max, and Amazon Prime for... Uh, Series 6, Episode 1 in two weeks. Until next time, lookers! Keep on looking!